0: Hi, and welcome to Seppa Stories. All right, so it's been a couple of days and I still have this delicious stack of fan fiction stories to get through to read to you. And I have a really special surprise. So we've been reading a lot of one-shots and ficlets, uh, which are tiny stories or, or very short stories. And this episode, and it will be a really long episode, I'm super excited, uh, we're finally branching out into larger fan fiction pieces. There's nothing wrong with those wonderful one-shots and ficlet pieces that we've been enjoying, but sometimes you just want to sink your teeth into a longer story with multiple chapters. So, yay! Um, I had actually reached out to this particular author, several weeks ago and a lot of times an author will post something and I'll read it and if it's you know something that has a few chapters it might take me a little bit to get through the actual reading and by the time I reach out to them uh, the writer to request if I can read their story they might have already logged off and it might be some time before they're back on and I think that's what happened in this instance so Just to kind of let you know, the story that I have was found on fanfiction.net. And in fact, I have an iPad that I do most of my reading on. And there is an app for fanfiction.net, and that's the app I've been using. So, um, and then I can always route into into it online if you're looking on PC. So check out the apps that are on your digital devices. They have a lot of uh, different stories and and people are uploading to different sites, so if you're really a huge fan of fan fiction like I am, uh, you'd want to check these different sites out. They don't require memberships, they just require that you download the app, and that's pretty awesome. Okay, so... This story, as I mentioned, I did find on my fanfiction app, but you could find this story on fanfiction.net. And you're saying, well, what is the story? The story is middle of adventure. And this was written by an author utilizing the pen name of Nautical Paramore. So some different details or our summary about the piece. This one is 11 chapters. So it's not an overly large story, though it is a lot chewier than what we've um, been used to reading on supper stories or that you've been used to hearing on supper stories. And I can tell you that this particular piece of fanfiction is a rated M, so we do have mature themes. This is not intended for younger or not mature audiences, so expect some explicit detail, naughty words. So we might be diving into some lemony goodness. Um somewhere in the story. So I'll try to read these without giggling or blushing. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the story details. There is a summary for the story as written by Nautical Paramore, who is our author, and the description says... After his Quidditch career is cut short by injury, Marcus decides to start a youth league. When Hermione has to go pick up James, she doesn't expect to see the Furious Flint, that the Furious Flint is so great with children. So, already we know that this is going to be a Hermione and Marcus Flint Caring or relationship And there'll be several other of our Favorite and wonderful characters That we love, Harry Potter uh, There's Adrian Fusey There are some new invented Characters that I think we'll really enjoy This isn't a, a chapter I'm so sorry, this isn't a st- Let's try that again. Uh, This is a story that has 11 chapters. So this is going to be a little bit of a long read. And it looks like this was last updated. It looks like May 31st and had initially been published on May the 1st. So with that, I'm so excited to be able to read a story that is a little bit larger. Um, Let's dive in. But I wanted to uh, very quickly before we dive in give you an idea of how um, this read will go. I will read chapter by chapter and from time to time I may have to stop to just take a break. Sometimes grabbing you know a quick drink of water is hugely helpful um, while I'm reading and you're about to hear my soda can pop here. Are you ready? It's a great sound. That's the best sound in the world. Okay, so from time to time, I'll need to stop for a drink. And I am actually drinking the signature black cherry soda. It's it's not like real Coca-Cola. It's like off-brand, but it is delicious. That is like drinking a chocolate-covered cherry. It's amazing. Sorry, I had a squirrel moment. Okay, I'm so sorry. So I was telling you about how we're going to pursue and follow these fanfiction readings. I got all distracted with my drink. Um, I will read a chapter at a time. From time to time, I might need to take a quick break to grab a drink of my wonderful black cherry soda. Signature brand, which is delicious. And then, of course, we'll be rejoining you to continue on with the next chapters. This entire episode will cover the entirety of the story. So um, we will follow that format. There might be uh, a couple of commercial breaks thrown in as well. And then at the end, of course, we will commentary what we thought about the story and its entirety, you know, as a whole, and what things worked and what things were exciting and kind of, you know, cross-section the story out a little bit. So we're going to follow our usual format, only we have a lot more story to enjoy. Okay, so just FYI, of course, Uh, the writer, neither the writer nor myself as the reader. We do not own the rights or intellectual materials, marketing, merchandising, souls of characters. We just simply love the world that Rowling has created and love to play with and enjoy her characters in her own sandbox. So, um, this is an independent work of fan fiction. It is not canon compliant. And with that, let's get into Nautical Paramore's Middle of Adventure, and we will begin with chapter one now. Hermione Granger scribbled furiously, hoping to finish off her report before the end of the day. The stack of uncompleted, unreviewed even work that towered around her desk menacingly made her efforts seem almost meaningless. Still, it was a good feeling to be able to scratch her signature at the bottom of the page knowing she'd given it her best work and that it was finally completed." When she had joined the Ministry of Magic, she had hoped that she would be able to make some positive changes for the rest of wizarding society, only to be quickly disabused of the notion. It seemed that everyone in her department knew her reputation for getting things done, and her co-workers were only too happy to dump their work off on her desk, and she kept doing it, well, because she knew that that was the only way to get things done. The alarm on her wand buzzed again for the third time, and she canceled the spell and irritated, wondering how she'd managed to miscast her morning alarm so horribly she returned to the work in front of her. Happy with the report, Hermione leaned back in her chair, stretching her arms overhead. She rolled her neck from side to side. All that the report needed now was a quick proofread, and then she could go home for the evening and snuggle for an evening of muggle movies with Crookshanks. She was halfway through her edits when her wand buzzed again. Staring at it with narrowed eyes, Hermione agonized over what she was forgetting, "'She jumped out of her chair when her promise suddenly came back to her. "'Oh, Merlin! James!' she said to herself, "'scrambling to grab everything she needed from her desk, "'Oh, Harry is going to kill me!' "'Pulling her cloak on, "'Hermione walked as quickly as she could to the communal flues "'at the entrance of the Ministry of Magic, "'her heels echoing in the empty room. Godric, she was going to be so late. She was certain Harry wouldn't bother asking her to pick up James in the future, which was unfortunate, seeing as he could really use the help about now. She flew to the address that Harry had given her to get James. Apparently, he'd been starting his son in flying lessons, even though he'd barely turned five. Hermione thought it was a touch ridiculous and wondered why Harry couldn't simply teach the boys, but she knew that he was very busy working as an oarer, too, so perhaps lessons just provided more consistent instruction. When she arrived at the little building, she found it decidedly unoccupied, and her heart sank. Hopefully, the instructor hadn't gotten so fed up with waiting on her that he called Harry or something. Oh, she'd never be able to forgive herself, even as she was just over thirty minutes late. Marlin, she couldn't remember the last time she'd been this late. Looking around, she decided to make her way outside to see if maybe the glass was still gathered. After all, it wasn't as if you could teach flying inside. She exited the little building and looked around, quickly realizing that she was standing on a Quidditch pitch. "'Of course, it wasn't half the size of the one at Hogwarts, "'but there was no mistaking the giant rings. "'And there, on the other side, was James, "'hovering on his broom while the instructor gave him gentle encouragement "'to push his broom into a slow-motion dive. "'Hermione's heels sank into the grass as she walked, "'and belatedly she wished that she would have used some sort of cushioning spell "'to prevent her awkward gait.' I'm sorry I'm late, she breathed, said breathlessly when she got to their sides. I got caught up at work. James's face lit up when he saw her, and he nearly jumped off his broom to give her a tight hug. Hermione, he said with a toothy grin. It's no trouble. I don't mind working one-on-one with the lad, came the grumbly voice of the instructor. Hermione returned to her full height, eyes drilling up from his feet past his chest. To his face, only to gasp in surprise when she realized she knew him. He'd grown a bit of a beard, but there would be no mistaking Marcus Flint, former Slytherin Quidditch player. Flint? she said, by way of greeting. His eyes widened in surprise. I didn't think you'd remember me, he answered. You're difficult to forget, she answered, before wincing at how awkward that sounded. "'Anyway, thank you for keeping him late. "'It was unprofessional for me to show up so late without even an owl. "'Easy, Granger,' he said with a shrug of his massive shoulders. "'You wouldn't lose any owl's points here.' "'Hermione gave him a tight smile, "'feeling rather like he was making fun of her. "'She did not enjoy it one-bit. "'Well, James,' "'We should probably get you home. I'm sure you're starving,' she said to her honorary nephew. "'Yeah. Dad said we're going to have toasties for dinner tonight,' he said with the enthusiasm that only a five-year-old could have for melted cheese and buttered bread. Flint began walking beside them. "'So will you be picking up James regularly, then?' "'he asked, looking at her out of the corner of his eye "'as they walked back to the over-large shed "'that served his as, as office. "'I'm not entirely sure what Harry's plans are yet, "'but I suppose it could be a possibility,' she said tersely. "'I'll have to be sure to clear my schedule after practice, then. "'Make sure there's someone to watch Jamie "'while we wait for you to show up,' he said, "'fighting to hide his smile.' "'Unfortunately for Flint, Hermione did not find that particularly funny. "'Giving him a glare, Hermione grabbed some flue powder. "'I don't think you need to worry about a repeat. "'I'm usually very punctual,' she said with a frown, "'before throwing the flue powder in and calling out for Grimald Place. "'The formerly dismal townhouse had been lovingly transformed over the years by Harry, "'and now Grimald Place was warm and inviting upon entry.' "'Hermione walked James up the stairs "'so that he could clean up a bit before dinner, "'changing out of his miniature Quidditch gear "'and into regular clothes. "'By the time they were all finished, "'Hermione could hear Harry rummaging down in the kitchen. "'James excitedly ran to his dad, "'wrapping him up in a big hug. "'Then he launched into a play-by-play "'of everything he had learned that day, "'both at school and at his practice.' Little Alva smiled upon seeing her, and Hermione gave his three-year-old a quick hug and kiss on the top of his head, before pouring him a little bit of pumpkin juice to go with his dinner. She could practically hear her distant, her dentist's parents scolding her for giving him juice so close to bedtime, but she knew that the tiny little bit wouldn't hurt him harry invited her to join for dinner which she was only too happy to do considering she hadn't done the shopping for a week and her flat was sadly devoid of anything edible the four of them ate happily and once they were done hermione helped harry get the boys into bed before joining him in the library for a nightcap flint out me he said not bothering to hide a smirk blast hermione whispered under her breath she was hoping she might just get out of having to tell him that she was late picking up James altogether. After all, the little boy hadn't even seemed to realize that he hadn't been picked up when he should have been. Um, I'm really sorry, Harry. I got so caught up at work, I swear. Stanhope gives me all the department's work. You shouldn't let him push you around like that, Harry said sternly, not liking her co-worker one bit. You know, you could always transfer the DMLE. "'I don't know. I'm finding myself less and less enamored by my job,' she said with a frown. "'I'd really thought I was going to be able to improve things for magical beings and creatures, but there's so much red tape it feels pointless.' "'It's fine, by the way,' Harry said ruffling his already perpetually messy hair. "'James is pretty in awe of Flint right now, so I don't think he would have cared if you never picked him up.' "'Flint?' "'Really?' she asked, thinking back to the mean boy she had known at Hogwarts. "'Are you really sure that you're okay with James idolizing someone like him?' she pressed. "'Yeah. He's all right, actually,' Harry said with a shrug. "'He's a surprisingly patient teacher. "'I was skeptical when I first found out it was him running this little Quidditch League, "'but James begged and begged, and then I couldn't say no.' I watched the first practice, and I've got to say that I was pleasantly surprised. Marcus is great with kids. Hermione raised her eyebrows at that statement. Thinking that Harry must be confused, Marcus Flint is good with children, she repeated, not sure if she could ever believe what he was saying. Harry, when we were at school, he stole a beater's bat from his own teammate and set a bludgeon at you that nearly sent you to the hospital wing. Harry shrugged his shoulders, not particularly bothered. It was just quidditch, he said. It's not anything personal. He's not exactly the picture of sportsmanship, then, she said, still not wanting to accept that Harry, what Harry was telling her. Do you really want him teaching such underhanded Slytherin tactics to James? You sound like Ron, Harry chastened her. "'Don't compare me to him,' Hermione said, not wanting to be reminded of her ex-boyfriend. She and Ron had not been suited as romantic partners and mutually agreed to part ways in their early twenties. She had been perfectly happy as friends, but it seemed that Ron could not stand to see her date anyone else, and their relationship quickly soured. "'Look,' If I thought that Marcus was teaching James any bad habits, you know I would pull him from the Quidditch League in a heartbeat, Harry explained. But it's one of the only things that makes him happy right now, so I'm not going to hold flinch childhood behavior against him. Hermione softened knowing that all three Potter, boy, Potter boys were going through a tough time at the moment. No one had seen Harry and Ginny's divorce coming, but apparently things had been tense between the two of them for a long time. While things had started off friendly enough at first, Ginny now seemed intent on dragging the proceedings out as long as possible, if only to make things as difficult as possible for Harry. With all the solicitor meetings, Hermione had offered to help Harry out as much as she could. How did it go today with Jenny? she asked quietly, hoping that it wouldn't upset Harry too much to talk about it. Harry sniffed slightly in response. I don't understand how someone I once loved so much could become so vicious and cruel, he said with a frown. It seems like she is only doing things to hurt me, and doesn't even see how much it hurts James and Al, too. "'They'll get through it,' she said, "'hopefully. "'They have a great dad who's looking out for them, "'and, and it will be difficult, "'but I think they will understand some day. "'Yeah,' Harry agreed with a nod. "'Thank you "'for all of your help with them, too. "'Even if I'm late,' "'Hermione added, still feeling terribly "'guilty that she'd forgotten about James "'and then tried not to tell Harry about it. <laughs> "'Even if you're late,' "'Harry agreed with a laugh.' All right, chapter two, and it looks like we are going to be visiting Marcus Flint. We will continue. Marcus Flint had certainly never expected to be running a Quidditch League for children when he had been at Hogwarts. He could barely manage to put together his assignments for classes, let alone coordinate classes for all age ranges under 11. But it's where he had ended up. Initially, when he had left school, he had trials at many of the professional teams across England before being offered a spot on the Foulmouth Falcons. They didn't care if he'd barely passed a single newt, even after repeatedly testing. All they cared about was that his arm was good enough to score. He'd been there a couple of years when the war broke out. Marcus had no interest in offering his wand to the Dark Lord. Not out of some love for Muggleborns, just he didn't see the point in supporting him. It wasn't as if he could ever get rid of Muggleborns. So instead of being roped into something he didn't want, he fled to Italy to play quidditch. Italy had been fantastic. The food was a great deal better than what he ate in Falmouth, and the witches were pretty, and quidditch was quidditch except for the absolutely atrocious way they pretended to get fouled all the time divers, a lot of them. The club had even managed to fix his teeth when a rogue bludger knocked out his old ones. But Marcus couldn't really complain. Not until he took a bludger to the head one too many times, and even though they were able to magically heal the damage, there was still recovery time involved. As he got older, the recovery time took longer, and after a while, the club just couldn't really afford to keep him on his wages if he was going to be spending his time with the trainer rather than out on the pitch. They had to let him go. He was still a little salty about that. So he'd packed up and headed home to England. When he had received exactly zero offers to join any of the squads there, he knew that he had to face the facts. His career as a professional Quidditch player was over. Marcus was crushed. He'd never wanted to do anything in his life except play Quidditch, and when it was no longer an option, he just didn't know what to do with himself. He was still too young to be a coach, not to mention he had absolutely zero experience outside of his captaincy of the Slytherin team. He knew that he could whip schoolchildren into a team from his time at Hogwarts. Just look at Malfoy! He'd taken someone who'd only managed a spot on the team due to a generous donation from his father and to someone who could actually pass as a seeker. Thinking about Malfoy and his furdy little stick-in-your-face gave Marcus the idea of coaching children to gain some experience. Only there weren't any leagues for children outside of school, and he doubted that Professor Hooch was going to be leaving Hogwarts anytime soon. But then he'd wondered, why shouldn't there be leagues for children? Why should children be reliant on the dubious skills of their parents at home until they went off to school? He could provide them with everything they would need to make sure that they did really well on their first school team, and it would mean that he wouldn't have to give up the one thing that gave his life purpose. So? He'd started the squidditch League for children, and he'd been doing it for two years now. He was surprised by how much he actually enjoyed working with the children. None of them thought that he had troll's blood, or that he was mean, or had any preconceived ideas about who he was just because of his family name. It brought him more joy than he could have imagined, seeing his little students improve over the course of the season. He even found himself looking, longing for a child of his own one day, if he was honest, He'd have to find a which first, though. He never expected to be running a Quidditch league for children, but by Salazar, he was good at it. "'Only he wasn't so great at running the business side of the equation. "'He'd been staring at the pile of bills that had been stacking up on his desk, "'wondering just how he was going to pay them all. "'He'd already burned through the majority of his savings that he built up when he was still playing, "'and he knew he couldn't use any more or else he'd end up with nowhere to live. "'At this rate, no matter how much he loved the Quidditch League, "'Marcus had to face the facts.' He just didn't have the money he needed to keep it running, and he was going to have to shut down after the end of the season. And then, who knew what he was going to do? Locking up his little shed office for the evening, Marcus flew over to his local pub, where he'd agreed to meet Adrian. He found the tall, former chaser-turned-solicitor holding a pint and halfway through a game of cricket. "'Ordering his own drink, Marcus downed the half-pint in one go, "'wondering if he was going to be able to shake off this miserable feeling "'long enough to be of any fun that evening. (laughs) "'Marcus, mate, what's wrong?' Adrian asked "'when he'd noticed his friend darkening his dartboard. "'You look like someone killed your cat. "'Apparently not.' "'Almost,' Marcus answered with a shrug of his broad shoulders. "'I think I've got to shut down the league.' "'I was just trying to work through the money tonight, "'and, well, I just think it's time.' "'But you love the league,' Adrian countered "'before throwing his darts in rapid succession.' "'Yeah, I do,' Marcus said, "'pushing down the lump that had formed in his throat. "'It wouldn't do to go crying to his friend. "'Adrian had known him for years, "'but he wasn't exactly the most compassionate wizard in the world. "'Just added it to the pile of things I'm a failure at.' Adrian snorted at the joke. I really don't see this as you feeling with the league, just more money management, you know, he said with a shrug of his shoulders. Honestly, I don't know how you could stand all those squealing little children. I've caught three of my own and look at me, hiding out of pubs just to avoid them. Marcus knew not to argue with his friend. It felt far too vulnerable for him to tell him that he envied Adrian's little family. Just can't give up Quettage, he said with a frown. I really don't know what I'm going to do without it. I'm sure you'll find something, Adrian said. I bet you could find something in the magical games department. Pessimistically, Marcus knew that they were unlikely to overlook his lack of success on his newts, but he supposed that it couldn't hurt. Also, he knew he was due a seat in a wizengamot if he wanted to claim it, now that his father had died. "'But it wasn't as if that came with a salary. "'It would fill his time, sure, but it wouldn't pay the bills.' "'I'm dreading telling the kids, most of all,' Marcus said, "'wanting to get the focus off of his lack of job prospects as quickly as possible. "'Some of them are as mad about Quidditch as I am. "'James Potter is going to be so crushed.' "'Adrian made a noise in agreement.' can't imagine any as much else to look forward to right now, he said before summoning his darts back to him. Have you seen what they've written about the Weasley and the papers? I would have never taken someone from her family to be such a fortune on her. The Weasleys always seemed so content with what they had. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't as content as she put on, Marcus said, trying not to judge too harshly. "'But I've spoken with Potter now and again, "'and he made it out to be that she was just twisting the knife because she can. Rough, Adrian said in agreement. "'Let him know I'm available if he ever needs another solicitor to look something over. "'Another beer?' "'Marcus made a noise of agreement before offering his empty pint to his friend. "'He wasn't sure if Potter would be happy to accept Adrian's help or not.' Marcus hadn't expected that the other wizard would even want anything to do with him, though, and he'd been surprised. Once Potter had made sure that he would do a good job with his son, he backed off with his do-gooder Gryffindor attitude. It was nice to put aside any animosity from school, now that they were adults. It seemed that Granger hadn't done the same. Potter must not have given her a heads-up that he was the instructor at James's lessons, because when she saw that it was him there, no hiding the look of contempt reflected in her eyes. He wondered a bit at what her problem was, because he didn't remember ever doing anything to her. Just to Potter. And, well, if Potter had forgiven him, why shouldn't she? In any case, Marcus could see the bright side in closing the Quidditch League would mean no more chances of accidental runs in with the muggle-born witch. He didn't need to put up with being disrespected by her, even if he had secretly liked the way she looked while doing it. Adrian returned with his beer, and Marcus turned the topic of conversation to happier subjects, Cassius' stag weekend. Adrian had been boasting about a weekend that would last in memories for years to come, long after his wedding to Adelaide Merton. Adrian was convinced that his party would outdo any wedding that Adelaide could be able to plan, even her own wedding. Based on some of the details he was hearing, Marcus thought that Adrian might be right. "'After another two beers, though, "'it was time for Marcus to return home to his flat for the evening. "'When he'd returned to England after the war, "'he'd purchased a flat in a not very fashionable part of Wizarding London, "'but it suited his needs, and it had been a good price. "'There was no way that he intended to return to the home he'd grown up in "'no matter how much his mother had begged him. "'Once she'd passed, he would just sell it, he figured. "'Too many bad memories.' Feeling a little bit drunk, he pulled out a scrap of parchment before scribbling out a message to Potter, of all people, telling him about the need to cancel the Quidditch League at the end of the season. He wasn't sure why, but he felt worst of all about letting down little James Potter. It wasn't as if Potter would need to hire a private flying instructor for James, seeing as Potter had been a more than talented Quidditch player in his own right. He could just do it himself. But Marcus couldn't deny that James did have the makings of an excellent chaser some day, and he made a mental note to keep tabs on him once he went off to Hogwarts in a few years' time. Retreating into his bedroom, he shook off his shirt and pants before trudging to the bathroom to brush his teeth. He tried not to feel too melancholy about the situation, but he couldn't help but feel like a fuck-up, like every good thing he'd touched one to ruin. It was just typical that this was happening. Why did some wizards have all the luck? But he knew he'd bounce back somehow. He always did. Flopping back amongst the pillows on his bed, Marcus was already half dreaming when he hit the mattress, his mind filled with the coming back out of retirement, lifting the league cup for Foulmouth or whoever would take him. And with that, my friends, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, and welcome back to Set Stories. All right, so we are going to continue on this wonderful story, Middle of Adventure. We're diving into Chapter 3, and it looks like now we are getting a Hermione point of view. So, Hermione's story, Chapter 3. In the end, the straw that broke the camel's back was Stanthrop taking credit for her work for the upteenth time, seeing him soak up all the praise from their director like he'd actually done anything on the werewolf bill that they'd put to board. The bill that she'd worked so hard on for Remus made Hermione snap. The words, I quit, were out of her mouth before she'd even fully formed the thought in her mind. "'She knew that it was wrong of her, "'but she couldn't help the surge of pleasure "'when she saw the way Stanthrop's face paled, "'and he realized that his little workhorse "'would no longer be available to him. "'Hermione completely ignored his pleas to think it over "'while she packed up her desk into her bag "'and stomped her way out of the building. "'Her ears were still rushing "'with the sound of her blood in her veins "'pumping away while she was still "'full of adrenaline from her dramatic exit.' She'd barely had time to think about what she'd done, let alone what she was going to do. It had been a long time since she'd done something quite so reckless, and she hoped the way she'd left the ministry wouldn't sour her future job prospects. She had a fairly decent savings built up, but it wasn't as if she could just retire now. After going home and changing out of her work clothes, she knew she would lose all her confidence if she stayed at home with her own thoughts. Pinning a quick note to Harry, she decided to meet up with her friend and her two adorable godsons for dinner. When she waltzed into the kitchen at Old Place, Hermione forced a smile on her face. "'I've finally gone and done it, Harry. I quit that terrible job at the ministry. I wasn't going to let Stanthrop use me for another minute.' "'Yeah,' here he said with a tight look on his face. "'Um, I don't know if you're going to like to hear this, but I heard it. "'The news has already traveled through the rumor mill.' "'Oh, Godrick, Hermione said before sinking into her seat "'and pouring herself a glass of wine from the open bottle. "'What are they saying about me?' she questioned. "'Hermione wasn't stupid.' She was an ambitious and accomplished witch, and it made her more than her share of critics. For some reason, some people just wanted to tear down any successes she had, so she was sure that there were some doozies. Mostly it sounds like you were trying to take credit for Stanthrop's work, and you freaked out when he called you on it, Harry told her with a wince. That's the main one that little toad. Hermione muttered murderously, wishing she'd given her former co-worker piece of her mind before she'd left. I wouldn't worry about it too much, Harry offered. Just wait a month or two, once the output for your formal department slows to a standstill, and then you'll be vindicated. Hermione didn't share Harry's optimism surely they would just find another thing to blame her for maybe they would say that she had sabotaged things on her way out it would be typical in her opinion I hope so she told him so what do you think he'll do now want me to put your name up for a DMLE post there are a couple of mid-level postings that I think you do well at he suggested just putting the finishing touches on their pasta dish I'll oh, think about it Hermione said with a sigh She wasn't sure that she wanted to jump right into a job, especially one at the ministry. Perhaps it would be better to let the rumor mill settle down a bit. But she was especially skeptical about joining the DMLE. She'd had enough of dark wizard catching as a teenager. "Mm, Maybe, but maybe I'll just take a break for a few weeks. I mean, I really haven't had a break since I left school. "'Maybe even before you left school,' Harry said knowingly. "'Hermione blushed under his scrutiny. "'I suppose that might be more accurate.' "'With dinner plated,' Harry looked at James sadly. "'The boy had been sitting on the floor, "'bouncing a quaffle off the wall, looking dejected. "'James, can you please join us for dinner? "'I'm sure that Aunt Hermione would like to see more than just your back,' "'Harry asked gently.' James's shoulders dropped but he did trudge over to his spot at the table next to Hermione he stared at the pasta on his plate but made no move to eat any of it Hermione was concerned about the poor little boy James, what's happened? she asked him softly why are you so unhappy today? Quidditch league has been cancelled he said dramatically crossing his arms over his chest more of an angry move "'And I'm very upset. Quidditch was the only fun I ever got to have.' "'She highly doubted that Quidditch was the only fun that James ever got to have, "'but she knew better than to argue with a five-year-old who was quite so blue. "'Looking up at Harry in question, "'she wondered what could have led Flint to cancel his lessons. "'He seemed to have really enjoyed his work there from what she saw "'and from what Harry had told her.' "'Flynn owled us the other day,' Harry he said with a sad look on his face. "'He's dissolving the league at the end of the season. "'So you see, James, you'll still have two more weeks of Quidditch before it's over,' he tried to explain to his son. James wasn't having it. Hermione bit her lower lip. "'I wonder why he's done it. "'It seems a bit sudden, doesn't it?' she asked, "'even though she realized she didn't actually know much about Marcus Flint at all. "'Maybe this wasn't out of character.' "'She just thought that he'd loved Quidditch, "'but maybe he'd gotten a better opportunity. "'Is he going to come out of retirement?' "'That's not the impression I got,' Harry said. "'It sounded like it had more to do with finances, if I'm honest.' "'Well, I'm sure finances can be fixed,' Hermione said, "'although not sure why she was wanting Flint to keep his little league open. "'Well, aside from the fact that it would make James happier than anything in the world, "'maybe he just needs a little help with it.' I'm sure it's a lot of work, Hermione, Harry said a bit dismissively. I mean, he runs the whole thing by himself. I'm sure that he puts a lot of time and energy into it. Maybe it's just not worth it anymore. Hermione was never one to take hard work as an excuse not to do something, though. That's true. But perhaps he just needs a little help to get things sorted out and proper. I mean, someone who has experience planning things coordinating? Someone who's good with numbers? If Flint had someone to take some of that burden off of him, I'd bet he'd have more time to devote to something he'd loved. And are you supposing that person to be you? Harry asked her skeptically. She floundered for a moment, thinking over what he was suggesting. She hadn't really realized it, but... Yes, she was thinking about herself, even though she wasn't really thinking about the reality of working with Marcus Flint. Why not? I've got a lot of free time on my hands all of a sudden, she said tersely. Well, for one, you were just telling me about what an underhanded Slytherin he was not even two weeks ago, Harry said with a snort. (laughs) But not only that, you don't particularly like Quidditch. She shrugged her shoulders. "'You were right. It was wrong of me to hold Flint's past against him, "'especially after so much time has passed. "'You've convinced me that he's a changed man,' she said. "'She did feel a little bit badly still about making all sorts of assumptions "'about the tall wizard when she'd hate it all, when people did the same to her. "'And the Quidditch?' Harry pressed. "'Hermione rolled her eyes. "'I don't see. What about helping Flint?' Well, it would mean that I would have to hop on a broomstick,' she said with a snort. "'I'll just, I don't know, offer to take a look at his books. "'I'm very good with numbers.' "'Harry remained unmoved. "'I don't know, Hermione.' "'What's the harm in offering?' Hermione asked, "'wishing she knew why Harry was making this so difficult. "'I'm just going to offer Flint a bit of help, "'and the worst thing he could do is say no.' Flint might not enjoy being seen as one of your little pet projects, Hermione Harry offered constructively. Hermione was irked at the suggestion. Little pet projects? Harry, is that what you think of my work? she pushed. Of course not, Harry rushed to clarify. But you have to see this from Flint's perspective. From what I've heard, your last meeting with him was less than pleasant, and now he's going to see you swan in and offer to help? He's very proud, and I don't think he will like to have you rub his failure in his face. She could understand where Flint might be coming from, but she certainly didn't see him as a charity case. More just someone who could fill a little time in her now wide-open schedule. I'll be cognizant of that, Hermione agreed softly. But look on the bright side, Harry. Maybe, with a little bit of help, Quidditch League doesn't need to shut down. James brightened considerably upon hearing that. How would you like that, James? Don't you want Aunt Hermione to try to save Quidditch League? She asked her godson with a bright smile on her face. Harry did not sell, did not share his son's enthusiasm. Don't give him false hope, Hermione, Harry scolded, or you can be the one to explain to him why it was cancelled a second time. Hermione flushed. "'realizing how cruel it would be to string along the little boy's hopes and dreams for the future. "'She didn't want to give him false hope, but she didn't see how Flint could possibly turn down her offer. "'After they had finished their dinner, Hermione returned to her empty flat. "'She was buoyed with a new plan to help Flint save his business. "'Pouring herself a second glass of wine, she sat at her desk in her home office.' Pulling out a fresh sheet of parchment and her quill, Hermione leaned back in her chair and began brainstorming the best way to approach him. Harry was right. She didn't want to embarrass him. She wanted him to take her up on her offer. Agonizing over the wording of her note for a good while, Hermione finally put quill to parchment and carefully crafted her offer. letter to the mysterious Marcus Flint. While the ink was drying, she read over it once more, just to be certain it was perfect. Satisfied, Hermione gave the note to her owl before sending it off into the dark, inky sky. Changing into her pajamas, Hermione went into the bathroom to brush her teeth. Unable to wipe the smile off her face. There was absolutely no way Flint wouldn't accept. She would get to swoop in and save Quidditch League and play the hero in James's eyes. She wanted to make the world a better place for people, and if she couldn't do it for magical creatures and beings, at least she could make it a little better for James Potter. Tucking herself into bed, Hermione was sure that she would wake up in the morning with a letter from Marcus Flint enthusiastically thanking her and taking her up on her offer. All right, and now, my friends, we are going to be diving into chapter... Oh, goodness. <laughs> Chapter four. Hang on here. I have having technical difficulties. Okay, here we go. Chapter four, and this is Marcus's perspective. Dun, dun, dun. What's going to happen? I'm so excited. Let's find out. When Marcus first received Granger's note, he'd had to rub his eyes and read it again. "'wondering if perhaps he'd fallen asleep "'and this was some kind of awful dream. "'But when he'd confirmed that it was in fact real, "'he'd gotten to work writing back in the most scathing, "'terse reply that he could possibly muster. "'Marcus had hoped that his rude note "'would be enough to scare little Hermione Granger off "'ever reaching out to him again "'with her insulting offer of help.' "'So then, why was she stumbling out of his flue into a shut-office, "'having swept in like the swirling wind, "'and why did she look so annoyed with him?' "'Flint,' she said by way of greeting, "'I need to speak with you.' "'Marcus leaned back in his chair, "'holding his head in his arms, letting his eyes trail over her. "'He realized he had never seen Granger look this casual, ever, "'not even when they'd both been at Hogwarts together.' She was wearing a pair of those jeans that muggle-borns and some half-bloods seemed to prefer, and a threadbare, overly large jumper, familiar and well-worn. It almost looked as if she had stumbled out of bed and threw on the first thing she could grab before flewing over. Salazar Granger, did you honestly come here as soon as you woke up? He sneered at her, hoping to scare her off. She blushed, rather prettily, if he was honest, but he wasn't, obviously having been caught. Her hand, absent-mindedly checked over her now, wavy hair perhaps checking for some imagined bedhead that would have given her away. Her face hardened once she reminded herself of her task. "'I don't think you gave my offer the proper amount of consideration,' she said. "'This isn't a negotiation, Granger,' he answered, knowing he'd been amused if he wasn't so irritated with her offer. Gryffindors were always such good doers, and he didn't want her help because she felt bad for big troll Marcus Flint. Listen, I've just left my job at the ministry, so I have loads of free time. I don't want your help because your schedule is suddenly wide open. And I'm actually very good with numbers. I got an O on my arithmancy. Newt, look who's showing off then. I don't give a shit about your newts. So I am sure that I can handle something as trivial as finances for a Quidditch League. She was looking at him rather triumphantly, as if she just won some kind of debate with him. In reality, though, her obvious disdain for something as trivial as Quidditch League only got his hackles up more than ever. He didn't want Hermione Granger's help, especially not when she thought she was lowering herself just to do it. "'He stood to his full height, hoping to intimidate her a little bit. "'Closing the distance between them, he gave her his best glare, "'one that used to have Malfoy pissing in fear. "'Granger, this is not up for argument. "'I'm not giving you something to do just because you got fired from the ministry, "'and I have loads of time on your hands,' he growled. "'I didn't get fired!' "'Merlin, you're so stubborn. "'I thought you were supposed to be the smart one, Granger. "'I don't want your charity,' he said forcefully. "'He couldn't believe that she was still trying to argue with him, "'and he wondered just how someone so tiny could be such a huge pain in his ass. "'Granger, it seemed, was not used to this sort of rejection, "'and he could see her growing angrier and angrier while she processed his words. "'Well, well, well fine, then.' "'I hope you do go out of business, then,' she snarled back at him. "'I don't even want to help you. "'I was only offering because of James, "'but now you couldn't pay me enough galleons in the world to help you out,' Marcus Flint. "'It seemed that she would get the last word, "'because before he could even formulate an equally hurtful response, "'she was stomping back through the fireplace to wherever she had come from. "'When she was gone, Marcus fought the smile on his face.' Granger was an annoying Gryffindor, yes, but it was awfully fun to roll her up like that. It was as it was as if you could practically feel the magic sparking off her body. The image of her flushed, with her hands on her hips, chin jutted up in the air, it was burned into his brain, whether he wanted it to be or not. By the time it was time to close up for the day, still without a grand plan how to save his Quidditch League, he still hadn't stopped thinking about Hermione Granger, not even when he flew over to the pub. Cassius had come along with Adrian this time, and were sitting in a booth discussing the pros and cons of holding a stag weekend in Copenhagen rather than Ibiza. Marcus didn't really care where they went, so long as there was lots of alcohol. Telling them as much, he left the table to grab another round of pints. He must have zoned out a bit, because Adrian was smirking at him when he finally came back to the conversation. "'Who's got your head in the clouds?' he asked, asking as if Marcus hadn't had a girlfriend in his life. "'Hermione Granger,' he answered without thinking of what the suggestion really meant. "'What?' Cassius asked, blinking owlishly at him. "'Hermione Granger?' "'I like that,' Marcus said with a flush, even though he hadn't been able to stop wondering just how far into her jumper her blush went. "'I mean, well, she came to my office today. "'It was pretty rude, actually, insulting me, acting like some kind of fucking saint who'd have graced me with her presence. "'Why wouldn't I take her up on her offer?' he asked sarcastically. Mate, you are going to have to back up and explain this a little bit more, Adrian said with a laugh, completely unclear on what Marcus was trying to say. Well, you know how I told you that I'm going to have to shut down my Quidditch League due to the state of the finances? Marcus asked. Well, Potter must have mentioned something to Granger, because before I know it, she's whirling into my office and practically demanding that I let her help me sort them out. And you've... "'Turn down her offer of assistance?' Cassius asked, cautiously still, "'trying to piece together the jumble of Marcus's words. "'Of course I did. I'm not some bloody charity case,' he said darkly. "'Besides, she's probably just as desperate for any new job now that she's got fired,' Marcus added, "'even though he believed that she was partially doing it for James.' I'm sorry, me, but that's the dumbest thing I've heard today, Adrian said with a frown. And I was in disposition with the witch who tried to say she didn't think the dread of living death would kill her husband. What? Marcus asked, not really understanding what Adrian was saying, just that he thought was being stupid. "'And Granger didn't get fired. "'She quit in the most spectacular fashion,' Cassia said with a grin. "'Stanthrope's been using her to do his work for years now, and she finally snapped. "'I don't think I've ever seen a wizard look more concerned when she walked out.' "'Oh,' Marcus answered. "'That certainly hadn't been the rumor he'd heard. "'Good for her in standing up for herself, I guess.' And who cares if she thinks she's being a saint for helping you with your books? Adrian said, looking to get the topic back on point. You want to keep running your league, don't you? Let her have a look and give you some free advice, and then take it if it's smart. It's not as if you have to make her a partner. I just, I just don't like to be made a fool of. Marcus said darkly. He took a big drink of his beer, slumping further into the seat. He knew what people thought of him, thinking that he wasn't bright, and he hated it. "'If anything, Granger is terribly sincere,' Adrian responded, "'knowing that Marcus was feeling very sensitive about the topic. "'It's not like she's secretly making fun of you. "'She wants to help. She probably just really wants to help.' "'Yeah, and she's rather fit, isn't she?' Cassius asked, "'wagging his eyebrows dramatically. "'Adrian swatted him on the shoulder. "'What? I was making a compelling argument, "'and you had to come in with your lame assessments of her looks?' Adrian argued." "'Sure, sure. She is sincere and kind and willing to help Marcus, just so he should accept it,' Cassius said, waving him off. "'But it's not as if I'm wrong. She is rather fit.' Marcus had to bite his tongue to stop from agreeing from agreeing with Cassius. "'She did date Crumb, after all,' Cassius added. "'Really?' Marcus said, finding himself quite surprised with that bit of knowledge. "'Can't believe this is the first time hearing of it.' Crumb certainly had had his share of witches throwing themselves at him, being the quidditch phenomenon that he was. Crumb and Granger didn't seem right together, though. "'After all, he was so sporty, and she was so smart. "'Yeah, once during the Yule Ball, and then after she broke up with Weasley for a while, too,' Cassia said. "'I guess they were still good friends.' "'Why do you know so much about Granger's dating life?' Marcus asked, "'wondering just when Cassius had become such a wealth of knowledge. "'Cassius looked affronted. "'I can't help it if Witch Weekly always writes articles about her. "'Fine. If that's what puts it over the edge, "'I guess we can acknowledge Granger's attractiveness. "'At least you won't have to share an office with a hag,' Adrian said, "'before turning back to Marcus. "'So, when are you going to tell her that you agree to her help?' The fearsome chaser suddenly felt quite embarrassed. "'Well, I don't think she'd agree to help me now,' he said with a guilty grin. "'It's just, when she came to my office earlier, I told her that I didn't want her help. Not now. Not ever. And, well, before she left, she said I couldn't pay her enough to help her. To help?' "'Adrian and Cassius shared a look between one another, "'one that Marcus didn't quite understand. "'Oh, that's nothing,' Adrian said with a laugh. "'You'll be able to convince her to help you, "'and you won't even have to pay her a nut.' "'How?' Marcus asked dumbly, thinking he'd rather burn that bridge, "'and further wondering just when his two friends had convinced him "'to actually take Granger up on the offer. "'It'll take a significant amount of groveling,' Cassius explained." But with enough platitudes about how you can't do without her, she'll be falling all over herself to help you. Just play it up, play up to her ego, Marcus. He was still not entirely convinced that Adrian and Cassius' tactics would work on a witch as smart as Hermione, but at this point he really was willing to try anything. He could at least admit now that she was likely his last resort if he wanted to keep his business running, and he really did. "'He found a job that he loved, and he wasn't ready to give it up so quickly. "'Or the shot, I guess,' he said, shrugging his massive shoulders. "'With Marcus's which trouble sorted, Cassius said, "'I could finally get back to the real topic hand. "'His stag weakened, but Marcus still found himself distracted, "'wondering how he was even going to, face, to go face-to-face with Granger "'long enough to grovel to see if she'd give him.' second chance. Alright, my lovelies. So, that was chapters three and four, and I'm going to take another quick break, and I'll join you back in just a minute or so. Hi, and welcome back to Set the Stories. We're going to dive into Chapter 5, and it looks like now we're finally getting Hermione and Marcus interacting. So, Chapter 5 Hermione hadn't even wanted to entertain Marcus Flint when he showed up at her door. There was nothing that would have given her more pleasure than slamming the door in his face, but he'd used his considerable strength to stop it from closing. He pleaded with her to let him come in to apologize. Finally, she gave in, mostly just because she had neighbors and she didn't like Flint causing a scene out in the hallway. He'd spilled into her flat, taking up far too much space with his broad shoulders and fierce look. Immediately, he started telling her what a mistake he'd made by yelling at her and confessing that he was just too proud to accept help. Initially, she had stuck to her guns and told him to find someone else to help him. But then... He dropped to his knees in front of her, which was ridiculous because he was still nearly as tall as her, even on his knees, and actually begged her to help him save his Quidditch League. And she had just melted. Of course, she would help him save the Quidditch League, not just for James, but for Marcus Flint, too. But the following Monday, she nervously stood in front of her fireplace, wondering if Flint had played her. What if this was all some kind of elaborate joke being played on her? It would be embarrassing, she supposed, but the hope of actually doing something good had her stepping through the fireplace and into Flint's office. The tiny shed he was using was made all the smaller by an additional disc pushed into the corner opposite his. Flint was seated behind his own disc, eating a massive plate of breakfast, and looking surprised that she was actually there. You're early, he said with a slight blush, once he'd finished his mouthful of fried tomato. Better early than late, Hermione said with a shrug of her shoulders. She didn't think that she was that early. "'And so dressed up this isn't a ministry, Granger,' he added. "'Hermione looked down at her jumper over a college shirt and jeans. "'She thought this was about as casual she should be in a work environment, "'but looking at Flint's athletic wear, she wondered if she hadn't miscalculated. "'Still, she wasn't going to apologize about what she wore when it wasn't inappropriate.' "'Sorry. I forgot my quidditch uniform at home,' she snarled back at him with a roll of her eyes. "'Just show me where you keep your financials. I agreed to help you, but we don't need to become great friends or anything.' Hermione felt a bit badly then when she noticed the slight look of hurt on Flint's face. He'd certainly changed since Hogwarts. It wasn't that she was afraid of him when she was at school, but there was something sinister and menacing about him always and privately she thought that the rumors about him having troll blood might not be far off now though well he was still an imposing man that was certain but it wasn't as if he was a frightening slytherin bully anymore he'd grown a beard and let his close-cropped hair grow in a little longer his gray-blue eyes reflected amusement more often than not Dare she say that she might actually find him a little bit attractive? Shaking her head, Hermione slipped into the desk that he'd prepared for her, placing her bag by her feet. When she looked up, Flint was carrying over a stack of loose papers and parchments, and he dropped them onto the desk with a heavy-sounding slap. Hermione sighed when she saw the absolute lack of any organizational system that he had. "'Thank you, Flint,' she said politely. "'Thank you,' he countered. "'I've obviously never had a head for this kind of stuff,' he paused for a moment to look at her. "'If we're going to be working together, though, I think it's only right that you call me Marcus.' "'Sure, Marcus,' she said, trying his name out. "'You'll call me Hermione, then?' He gave her a short nod before returning to his own desk, leaving her alone with her massive pile of work.' It wasn't that different from the ministry, she thought disappointedly. Privately, she was wondering why she'd gotten the idea to do this again. Remembering James's excitement when she promised to save Quidditch League, Hermione dove into the documents, intending just to get everything in order first. They worked fairly quietly with one another, with Flint leaving the office after an hour or so to go teach a lesson to some children, who looked to be around seven. Hermione leaned back in her chair so she could look out the window and watch. Even though he must seem like a giant to the little kids, it seemed that they all adored him. Running around the pitch, chasing after him on their tiny brooms, the sight was enough to soften Hermione's heart. Marcus re-entered by lunchtime and let her know that he would be ordering in from one of the nearby pubs if she wanted to get something. Thinking that it was probably a good time to take a break, Hermione agreed and ordered herself a turkey sandwich. When it arrived, they both came to the realization that they were having lunch together, and neither of them really knew what to say to one another. Eventually, Marcus asked about her and Harry and how she was helping him out with the kids. "'Well, I am James's and Alice's godmother, of course, "'so it only makes sense that I help him out "'while he's having to work through everything with Jinny, she explained. "'But I absolutely adore them, so it's not much of a hardship for me.' "'Seems like they like you as well,' Marcus answered. "'Potter is lucky to have you as a friend.' "'Hermione was touched by the sentiment. "'Oh, I'm sure he'd do the same for me "'if I was in a situation like that,' she said with a smile." When lunch was over, Hermione finally was ready to get into the details of the financial records of the Quidditch League. She was able to tally up the expenses easily enough and was pretty pleased with what she found. Marcus seemed to be frugal, selected quality products that would last for a long time rather than just the cheapest option. Overall, she couldn't find any red flags of spending that would obviously need to be cut out, however... She was finding it impossible to find any information on the revenues. Marcus had given her absolutely no documentation about the fees or how he was paying for it all. Waiting until he came back in from his afternoon practice, Hermione knew that she needed to get to the bottom of it. "'So, Marcus, I have found one big issue in the financials,' she said, standing from her desk. "'It doesn't look like you've given me any detail on the revenue, "'so it's a bit hard for me to understand the business. "'I need those, too.' "'Marcus looked like a deer in headlights, never expecting to be asked about that. "'Um, there are no revenues,' he said, "'looking down the bag of quaffles he had carried in.' "'Well, I mean, I suppose you aren't making a profit off the business right now, and that's fine,' Hermione said, not judging him. "'It had only been open for a year or two, so she didn't expect him to be raking in the galleons. "'But you must have some money coming in from the players' fees, right?' "'No, I don't charge the players any fees,' he said, looking like he didn't really know what to do with himself under her scrutiny.' "'Why not?' Hermione asked, completely confused as to why he would do that. "'Just doesn't seem right. "'A lot of kids that come here might not be able to afford quidditch "'if they had to pay fees,' he explained. "'It's already an expensive sport. "'Racing brooms, gloves, uniforms. "'I didn't want to cut anyone off from the experience.' "'Hermione was sure that she would never have guessed "'that underneath all his scowls and snark "'that Marcus was really just a pig softy.' "'That's admirable,' she said, rewarding him with a smile. "'But you could charge the families who are able to afford it "'and then offer need-based scholarships or grants "'or something to help the families who can't.' Marcus shook his head. "'No, I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed to have to ask. "'I'm not going to start charging fees,' he said resolutely. "'Are you taking donations, then?' she asked, "'still not understanding how he'd managed to keep this running for so long. "'I mean... I'll take a donation if someone happens to make one, he told her, but I'm I'm not going to turn away any money. But I don't ask for them either. Hermione bit her lower lip. I I just don't understand. How are you paying for all of this if you don't take fees or donations? she asked. Marcus turned away from her to put the quaffles away. My inheritance. "'and some of the savings I had from my pro career,' he said casually, "'though she could tell from the tightness in his shoulders "'that he was somehow defensive about it. "'Crossing the distance between them, "'she carefully placed her hand on his shoulder "'to get him to look at her again. "'That's very generous of you, Marcus,' she said, "'holding eye contact with him. "'But you have to realize that it's not sustainable.' "'Of course it's not sustainable,' he said. "'I've got to close it down now, don't I? "'I can't keep running it any longer the way I have, and it's hopeless.' "'Hermione could not believe that this was the same Marcus Flint "'who dressed up as a dementor to frighten Harry one time. "'Of course, everyone matures, "'but she was seeing a completely vulnerable, caring side to Marcus "'that she would have never imagined existed.' Now, more than ever, she wanted to be able to help him continue doing what he loved. It's not hopeless. We will just have to make some adjustments. Either start asking for fees money offered knowing that he probably wasn't going to go for it, or we can do some fundraising. I'm sure that a lot of people haven't even heard of your Quidditch League. I know I hadn't. And I'm sure some of those people would like to give a bit of money to kids who just want to play Quidditch. I don't want to be begging for charity, he said, suspicious of what she was suggesting. You won't be begging, Hermione said, unable to fight back a smile. I was thinking something more like a fundraising gala. You know, fancy dinner, dancing, and tons of wealthy wizards who are dying to give away galleons to improve their image. You know, people like Malfoy. Marcus did laugh at that, (laughs) all right. "'You'd convince me to at least give it a try,' he said, "'but I wouldn't know the first thing about planting a gala, "'let alone what to even wear to one.' "'You just leave that to me,' Hermione promised him. "'I'm not necessarily a party planner, but I am a planner, "'and I've been to a lot of galas in the past in, oh, ten years or so. "'I think I can throw something together that will work.' "'Just don't get my hopes up too much, okay, Granger?' he asked." Hermione felt her heart clench a bit at that. She really wanted to make this work for Marcus now more than ever. You really love this job, don't you? At first, it was just a way to keep Quidditch in my life, he explained, but now, now I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. She was surprised to hear that, thinking that he would go back to a professional job in a heartbeat, but... It was obvious that he cared about the children he worked with, enough to put his own money on the line. She knew she would find a way to make it work for him. All right, so chapter six, and it looks like we're going to have a gala, and let's see how they make that happen. Marcus quickly learned that once Hermione had set her mind to something, there was really no use standing in the way. After she had looked at his books and he'd sterned firm on not charging students to play in his league, Hermione had gone about planning a fundraiser. It was going to be a dance and a fancy dinner, as she explained to him. Marcus would never have thought about even attending one of those, let alone hosting one himself. But Hermione assured him that it would be successful if she was in charge, and that with enough fire-whiskey and champagne, wizards would practically be throwing galleons at him, especially for Quidditch. And he found himself trusting her. "'She was quite efficient at what she did, "'and he could completely understand "'why she had done so well at Hogwarts. "'He had never met anyone as organized as she was. "'He had never seen anyone get as much done as she could. "'He'd never seen a witch give such a blistering fire call before "'that it even had him feeling nervous, "'and he wasn't the poor sod who'd messed up the permit. "'All in all, Marcus could admit that she was glorious.' He found himself heading into work with a springing of step that no longer had to do entirely with Quidditch. At least half of his good mood could be attributed to the tiny witch that he shared his office with. While previously he would spend as much time out on the west grass as possible, Marcus found himself cramming into the sad little shed of only because it meant spending more time with her. He delighted in making her laugh, loving the way her nose scrunched up when she tried not to. She wasn't anything like the spoiled little know-it-all Malfoy had always made her out to be. She was kind and wicked and ambitious, and she had a mean streak of her delight in her formal department's floundering was anything to go by. Hermione had become much more attractive than the little buck-toothed terror he remembered from his time at Hogwarts. He'd barely been able to see her face through all her hair, but then again she'd been 13, so he obviously hadn't been interested at the time. But now she was haunting his dreams with her lower lip biting, hands pressed to her hips in defiance when she yelled down that week's contractor. She wore baggy jumpers that had the unintended consequence of revealing an eyeful of cleavage and a lace bra that he couldn't stop thinking about. Bad also didn't have the heart to warn her about even though he knew it was the right thing to do. Marcus Flint was utterly enamored with Hermione Granger and he knew he would beg her to work with him one hundred times over if he had to do it again. He wanted her in his life. The only problem was one Harry Potter... Marcus had never had a problem with the boy who lived twice once he'd left Hogwarts. He'd been bloody irritating to play against, having been blessed with a natural seeker's ability paired with a burning hatred of Malfoy. He'd been nearly unstoppable, but once Marcus had graduated, he hadn't spent too much mental energy on Harry Potter. Then James Potter had been signed up for Quidditch League, and their paths crossed again. "'From their brief interactions, Marcus thought that the head oar was all right. "'Potter didn't treat him any differently for having been a Slytherin "'or for having a father who'd been a Death Eater. "'Now, though, Marcus hated Harry Potter. "'It seemed clear to him now that the Weasley was on her way out of the picture. "'Potter would be looking for a mother figure for his two boys. "'It seemed even more obvious that Hermione was the candidate.' She already spent a lot of time with James, escorting him home after lessons, and she frequently talked about spending dinners at the Potter home. The thought had his stomach turning, but because he had had some kind of horrible uh, mess, but because he was some kind of horrible self-torturing person, he couldn't help but dig deeper into the wound. He had an almost impulsive need to talk to Hermione about Potter. He yeah, had every chance that he had marcus found her at her desk the feather end of a quill between her perfect lips while she pored over the invitations she was going to be sending out for the fundraiser he'd seen her do it six times already but she insisted it needed to be perfect Um, Dinner plans with Potter tonight, he asked when he returned to the shed from the pitch, having just finished with the nine-year-olds. He noticed that she was wearing a thin blouse that day, and she normally made an effort to dress up if she was going to be meeting him. Hermione looked at him before leaning back into her chair. Merlin, is it that late already, she asked, looking at the clock on the wall. Mm. "'No, I think Carrie is working late tonight. "'There's been a big case recently, and he's been all secretive about it.' "'Oh?' "'Wouldn't she normally watch the little ones, then?' "'He pressed, knowing how much Potter was relying on her for her child care. "'Did he properly appreciate the witch and all she did for him?' "'Marcus wondered.' "'Hermione gave him a sad smile. "'No, they are with Jenny,' she explained. "'Then she dropped her head to her hands. "'Ugh!' and I just remember that I've got absolutely no food at home. Do you know of anywhere good around here? He thought about it for a moment. There is a little place near the water if you like fish, he suggested, or the pub I get lunch from. I love a bit of seafood, Hermione answered, her face brightening. Want to go with me? I'm starving. Marcus floundered for a moment, realizing that Hermione Granger, his dream witch, was asking him to dinner. Of course, she was not asking him, asking him. She just wanted a bit of company as as colleagues. I mean, of course, don't feel obligated. I'm sure you've got plans, she added, a pretty blush on her cheeks. No, I've got no plans, Marcus said quickly before giving her a big, broad smile. i love a bite before I pop home. Hermione gathered her bag for the day before waving her hand at her desk so that the mess was a bit more organized. Then she offered him her arm so that he could side along with her to the wharf. They made the walk to the restaurant in silence before quickly putting their order at the counter. Once they'd received burning hot fish and chips, Marcus found them a table with a view of the castle. Falmouth is so beautiful, she said, wistfully, popping a chip into her mouth before licking her fingertips to soothe the heat. It's easy to fall in love with, Marcus agreed. Once I moved here, I knew that it was where I wanted to spend the rest of my time. Though Mother is always insisting I return to the family home once I have a witch and some kids. And do you want that? Hermione asked, sounding generally interested. to live with Mom? Marcus asked amused. He said, Oh, hell no. When she's gone, I'll probably just sell the place. I meant a witch and kids, Hermione teased. She caught her lower lip between her teeth, as was her habit, and her eyes darted down to her meal. You're so good with them. Marcus chuckled. Witches? <laughs> I'd have to agree with disagree with you there, he teased back. Not witches, Hermione laughed, her nose scrunching up into like kids. I mean, I was... Surprised to see how good you are with them. You're so patient and fun, and James practically idolizes you. Yeah, I do like teaching them, he agreed. I haven't thought too much about having kids of my own. I'd had to convince a witch to have one with me first, and we've already discussed my poor skill there. But, yeah, it would be nice. Hermione looked away again, her cheeks going a bit pink. "'I don't think convincing would be as difficult as you might think, Marcus,' she shied at him. "'I'm sure that you've had your share of witches. You were an international Quidditch star, after all.' "'Yeah, an international Quidditch star with troll blood,' Marcus said self-depreciatingly. She blinked at him once or twice. "'I don't think you've got trolls, blood, Marcus,' she said sweetly, as though she wanted to say more. She cleared her throat. "'And I've fought a real mountain troll, so trust me, I would know.' Marcus couldn't hide his smile from her. It was nice to know that she didn't think of him that way, even if he was no Harry Potter. You say James idolizes me, but I'm pretty sure it's you he idolizes, Marcus said, needing to get the attention off him. He's always talking about his Aunt Hermione. Well, James and Al are pretty special to me, Hermione said softly, and they need all the more love right now because of what's going on with Harry and Jenny. I hope he knows how lucky he is to have you, Marcus said. His voice a bit sterner than he was intending. James? Hermione asked, amused. No, Potter. Oh, well, Harry and I have been friends forever, Hermione explained. I'd do anything for him, and he'd do the same for me. I think we both know how lucky we are to have each other. Marcus sighed, not able to stand talking about how wonderful Potter was any longer. Mercifully, his basket was empty, and their impromptu dinner was over. He had no excuse to spend any of the rest of the evening with her. "'Do you mind if I use your flue home?' Hermione asked. "'I'd rather not apparate back to the office and then home.' It felt too intimate to bring her back to his flat, but Marcus knew that he could not disagree either. "'They spent the short walk back to his flat in silence once again "'while Marcus mentally ran through the state he left it in in the morning. "'He didn't think it was too messy, but he couldn't be certain. "'Not to mention he had no idea what Hermione's standards were. "'She looked around his place curiously "'though she tried to pretend as if she wasn't. "'Standing in front of his fireplace, "'it seemed almost like she didn't want to leave. "'Well... "'I had a very nice time at dinner tonight, Marcus,' she said, bouncing on her heels. "'She gave him a brief, hopeful look before shaking her head when some imagined moment passed. "'Um, see you at the office tomorrow. I hope you have a good night.' "'Marcus was barely able to wish her a good night in return "'before she was throwing the flue powder in and stepping through into her own flat.' His imagination ran wild with what her place might look like and how she might unwind at the end of a long day. Shaking his head, he knew that was dangerous territory. He was going to end up with his heart broken by Hermione Granger if he wasn't careful. A hoot from the open window in his kitchen caught his attention, and he found an owl waiting there for him. Expecting it to be a formal invitation to Cassius's stag weekend, he waved the owl away once he pulled the letter from its leg. Setting it on the counter, he rummaged in the cooling cabinet looking for a beer. Once he'd taken a long drink, he looked back at the letter that had been delivered, wondering what kind of shenanigans Adrian had come up with this time. Only then did he notice... Seal, and it was definitely not from Adrian Pusey, but instead from the Falmouth Falcons. All right, my friends, you know, we're actually doing pretty good here with timing. Let's dive into chapter seven. What's in the letter? Oh, my goodness! Chapter seven. It looks like we're back with Hermione. Even though she would have never dreamed it, Hermione found herself quite infatuated with one Marcus Flint. He wasn't anything like she expected at first. She'd written him off as a mean, tricky Slytherin who would do anything to win, much like he'd been at school. But Harry'd convinced her that he'd changed long enough for her to agree to work for him, and she quickly confirmed that he was right. She often found herself pulled from work at her desk so she could stare out the window of the office and watch him teaching his students. He was so carefree and patient with the children. Even when they climbed on him and dragged him to the ground laughing, he would indulge them dramatically with the smile on his face all the while. Next, she assumed that he would be nothing more than a Quidditch-obsessed idiot. After all, Marcus himself seemed to insist that he had nothing else to live for except for Quidditch, but she quickly learned that that was not the case. He spent a lot of his time with Pusey and Warrington, but he was also interested in the local history of Falmouth. Once they had taken a walk at the castle during their lunch, and he was able to tell her all sorts of facts about the magical history completely offhand. And finally, she'd never expected that she would have grown to be physically attracted to him oh yes Hermione could admit that she had a type as Ron put it there was no secret she had been exclusively dating Quidditch players in her life but they all tended to be tall and well built but Marcus was so much more than well built with his broad shoulders and strong looking arms he wasn't posing commanding even in stature Combined that with his stormy grey blue eyes and dark hair and she was smitten. His fixed teeth were an improvement as well, though he still smiled like someone with bad teeth, constantly trying to hide them from view. It had taken her a while to grow out of the habit herself, having grown up embarrassed by her overly large front teeth. She found herself enjoying coming into work to Marcus's little Quidditch League more than she'd ever looked forward to her job at the ministry, and it was a job working with Quidditch, a sport that she, well, she didn't loathe it, but she certainly didn't enjoy it either. She wondered what that said about what she had put up with while she was at the ministry and about her self-esteem. She had gotten so used to being treated poorly that Marcus's basic respect felt bigger than it really was. And the reason she enjoyed her work there only had a little to do with the burly man who ran the league and her crush on him. There was something truly wonderful about helping so many children try a sport they clearly loved in a more organized way than just being taught by their parents. She already had ideas about expanding it to Muggleborns who wouldn't even hear about Quidditch until they went off to Hogwarts, but she knew that it would take additional work to figure that out, seeing as families typically weren't notified until they were eleven. But that was work for another time. At the moment, she was completely focused on just keeping the Quidditch League alive long enough to survive. She had been using Marcus's remaining meager funds and some of her own, though she wasn't about to tell him that, to plan the best fundraiser the Quidditch world would have ever seen. She hoped that it would pay off. Then, once it was over and Marcus no longer needed her help, she would decide what her next steps were going to be. In the meantime, she was just enjoying Marcus's company. He was actually quite funny, and he made her laugh every day while they shared their lunches in the shed office. She desperately tried to flirt with him, but it seemed as if all her attempts went right over his head. Hermione had even asked him out to dinner once, and while he had agreed, Marcus was just too obtuse to realize she had been wanting to go on a date with him rather than just his two colleagues, who went out solely because of their proximity. She had even invited herself into his home to use the loo, and for some dumb reason she hoped that he might kiss her goodnight, but he didn't seem interested. She couldn't tell if she just wasn't as good at making her feelings known or if Marcus just wasn't interested and was trying to let her down gently. Wistfully, Hermione wished that she had a friend like Lavender Brown who might be able to give her advice. She certainly couldn't talk to Harry about this. In any case, Hermione was shocked when Marcus asked her to a flat to sit for him while he went off to... "'to flat-sit for him while he went off on Cassius Warrington's "'stag week into Copenhagen. "'Apparently he was worried about his old cat being left alone so long. "'Everyone I'd normally ask is going to be on the trip with me,' "'he'd said, scratching the back of his neck. "'And if I don't trust a service, I just... "'And I don't trust a service, I've, I've got a guest room.' "'The former Gryffindor was only too happy to accept his request "'and returned home with him one Thursday night before he left "'so she could meet his cat.' "'The cat was an old, mangy-looking thing with all black fur, affectionately named Bludger. "'Hermione scooped him up in her arms and was delighted when he took to her immediately. "'Seeing that Bludger was in good hands, Marcus could leave knowing that he would be well taken care of. "'The guest room was nice, but obviously unused. "'It did not appear that Marcus had many guests over.' Hermione settled in for the night and got up early the next day to go to work, but by Friday evening she wasn't able to help herself from exploring Marcus's flat a little bit more. Bludger followed her around as though he knew that she was snooping, clinging to her legs and moving between them as she walked, but never getting in the way. Marcus's room was surprisingly spartan, but nice, He had a huge pile of laundry that was nearly spilling out of his closet while the rest of the room was somewhat mess-free. Maybe only left it that way because of his packing. She didn't find any evidence of a witch in his life, which did fill her with a small bit of hope that she might still be able to catch his eye. Once she was done, Bludger and Hermione went to the kitchen to prepare some dinner. Before settling in in front of the fire to read a book, before retiring for the evening, it was quite pleasant, and Hermione thought that the only thing that would make it better was if Marcus was there to join her. She must have been reading far longer than she thought too engrossed in the book to notice the late hour. It meant, though, that she was treated to a rather drunk fire call from Marcus and his two maids. Marcus was all smiles and inhibited thanks to the alcohol they'd surely consumed, and his face was flushed pink. "'Boy, sorry, Hope, we didn't wake you,' he said in a rush, his voice just slightly slurred. "'Show us what you're wearing, Granger!' "'Warrington shouted from the background, "'his face just barely visible. "'Hermione stood from the settee "'and knelt in front of the fireplace "'so she could speak to them better. "'A groan of disappointment was heard, "'and then Hermione heard Adrian Pusey "'whispering not nearly as quietly as he thought he was. "'She's not even wearing pajamas,' he said. "'I wanted to see Granger and her knickers!' "'Hello to you, too, Pusey,' Hermione said, rolling her eyes. "'Sorry to inform you, but you won't ever be seeing me in my knickers.' "'Pusey shoved Marcus to the side so that he could address her directly. "'Yeah, but would you show Marcus your knickers?' he asked. "'He wants to see them, too!' he sing clearly drunk off his ass. "'Hermione laughed when Marcus shoved Pusey back, clearly embarrassed.' Knowing that they were all unlikely to remember this in the morning, Hermione decided to tease them a bit. Well, maybe if he asked me nicely, I'd show him, she teased, biting her lower lip, wondering just what she'd become so bold. She could hear the, oh, from Warrington and Prusy on the other side, and hid her laugh behind her head. Warrington was shoving to the front then his blonde hair in an absolute state. It looked like he'd had a beer or two poured over his head, which she supposed would be par for the course where he was concerned. It's my stack weekend. If anyone's going to see a pretty witch in her knickers, it's going to be me, he said with a huge grin on his face, as though that was some kind of logic she couldn't argue with. "'Piss off, Warrington,' she said with a laugh. "'She'd worked with him at the ministry and while, and she didn't dislike him, "'they certainly weren't friends, and she certainly had no interest in stripping down for him "'just because he was getting married. "'Marcus was shoving his two friends out of the fire-call "'and instructing Pusey to get Warrington to bed. "'Then he returned. He was still flushed and smiling.' Sorry about them, he said. They get all sorts of funny little ideas in their heads. It's no problem, Hermione answered. Not offended by their antics. I wouldn't expect less from lads from a lad's weekend. I just wanted to make sure everything was going okay. Is Bludger behaving himself? he asked before running his fingers through his dark hair. Shit, maybe I should have waited a call when I wasn't so drunk. Everything's fine here, Marcus, Hermione said, before turning around and grabbing his cat to show him. Blocher and I were just enjoying a relaxing evening in. I'll let you know if anything comes up, but you don't have to worry about it. We're doing just fine. Really, it was sweet for him to worry, and she could tell that he loved his cat a lot. It reminded her of how much she had cared for Crookshanks when he'd still been alive. "'If you need help with anything, just let me know,' Marcus said, his face going serious. In the background, she could hear a saying something rude. "'Yeah, yeah, maybe if you need help getting off, he'd love to lend a hand,' he teased. Hermione tried to laugh too hard, seeing just how embarrassed Marcus was growing at his two friends' jibes. "'Of course, Marcus,' she said, hoping to be reassuring. "'Just enjoy your weekend.' He wished her good night and then he ended the fire call, leaving Hermione sitting alone in his flat. The room suddenly felt very empty without Marcus in it. Seeing that it was now after 2 a.m., she decided she should probably get off to sleep. Changing into her pajamas, which were not overtly sexy, no matter what Warrenton and Percy Pusey were imagining, she wondered if Marcus might actually. Like to have seen her in them, or if his friends were just teasing, but what had given them the idea to tease at her about it then had Marcus said something about his potential interest in her? Oh, what a dream she supposed so far he hadn't really given her any indication that he was interested in her in any way outside of their very cordial work relationship. Climbing into bed, Hermione smiled when Bludger hopped up beside her, and crawled into a little ball. Scratching him behind the ears, she sighed, letting her mind wander to the bright, carefree smile Marcus had won. All right, so dun dun dun, shall we continue on into Chapter Eight? I think we should. Okay, Chapter Eight. We'll see how far we get. If Marcus knew little about fundraiser dinners, he knew even less about what to wear to one. When Hermione had asked him, she must have seen the vacant look on his face while he mentally ran through his closet, trying to come up with some acceptable outfit that he owned. Somehow he didn't think that sweatpants would fly. In any case, she informed him that he would have to wear dress robes, and if he didn't own any, well, he'd just have to go out and buy some. Marcus wasn't just going to go out on his own to buy dress robes, though. He was certain he'd end up looking goofy. Instead, he had enlisted the help of both Cassius and Adrian, knowing they could steer him in the right direction. Adrian wore suits pretty much every day as a solicitor, and he always looked sharp. Once Adrian heard what the occasion was for, he insisted that they go to his personal tailor. They went over one of Marcus's lunch breaks to the impeccable shop in the expensive part of Diagon Alley. The tailor was a tiny, shriveled old Frenchman who looked concerned, to put it lightly, at the size and proportions of Marcus. Still he insisted that he would be able to make miracles happen. "'So the fundraiser is only a week away or so,' Cassius said casually, a bit too casually. "'And?' Marcus asked. "'Have you thought about who you might ask as your date?' he prodded." I think I'm going to be too busy schmoozing, as Hermione put it, to be enlisting a date, Marcus said. If he was honest, he hadn't even thought of the prospect of bringing a date with him. There weren't too many witches he could ask, and there was only one he really wanted to go with, but he was sure she'd be bringing someone else. Adrian gave him a rather shark-like smile, which generally meant he'd gotten a very nasty idea. "'Why don't you ask Hermione to go with you?' he suggested. "'Granger?' Marcus wheezed, "'not expecting his friend to have said that at all. "'I don't think that would be a good idea.' "'Why not?' Adrian pressed, "'clearly not impressed with Marcus dismissing his brilliant little plan. "'She knows that she'll be busy schmoozing "'and will probably be doing it herself, "'so she'll be understanding if you can't give her all the attention "'that some other witch might expect.' "'That did have merit,' Marcus thought.' Hermione would definitely not expect him to be doting on all her all night long. The thought of taking her was appealing, to say the least. I guess so, he said, shrugging his massive shoulders, but I bet she's already taking someone else. Cassius and Adrian sure to look between them. You'll never know for sure unless you ask her, Cassius said, encouragingly. Yeah, but I mean... I think it's pretty obvious she's into Potter, Marcus tried to explain. He'd seen the pair interact several times, and they seemed to know each other so well. It was obvious that the pair cared for each other, and Potter's children loved Hermione. She was the most obvious choice now that Weasley was out of the picture. I guess that she'd asked him. No need to look like a total knob and ask her myself. Potter? Cassius asked with a laugh. No offense, but I just don't see it. And remember, I know all the hot gossip at the ministry. If Potter and Granger had even sneezed on one another, I would already know. Marcus wasn't sure what to say about that. Cassius was a terrible busybody. Honestly, it was a wonder he even had a job at the ministry, considering all the time he spent listening to and spreading rumors. But he didn't want to get his hopes up that there might not be anything between Hermione and Potter after all. Adrian took it a step farther. He barely even looked up from the fabric samples he was reviewing. Besides, why would she ask Parter when she is so clearly interested in you, he asked. The dark haired wizard wanted nothing more than to run away and hide, but he was so tangled up in the measuring tape and sharp pins that Marcus knew he could do nothing but stand on the podium and blush. Why would Adrian suggest something like that? Was his friend just trying to make fun of him because he was so obvious with his feelings? I don't know what you're talking about, Marcus said firmly, keeping his gaze straight ahead. He thought he might just die of embarrassment if he actually made contact with Adrian or Cassius. Listen. "'I wasn't that paralytic during our first night in Copenhagen,' Adrian said, "'with the little authority of someone who knew what he was talking about. "'And I know that we fire-called Granger even more so I know that she was flirting with you.' "'She wasn't flirting with me,' Marcus scoffed. "'She was just being polite, more polite than she should have been really, "'but just putting up with my drunk antics.' mate. She said if you asked nicely, you could see her in her knickers, Cassia said with a laugh. Trust me, that was flirting. Salazar, when was the last time you went out with a witch? It's been a little while. I've been so focused on my work that I haven't had much time for dating, he explained, and it's never really been my strong suit. Marcus, I say this in the nicest way possible. Jordan idiot, Cassius said with a groan, and the poor girl has probably been throwing all sorts of hints for weeks, and you've just been too dense to pick up on them. Marcus floundered, unsure of what to say to that accusation. Okay, say she's been flirting with me, he stammered, and he was certain that Hermione hadn't done anything of the sort. Who's to say that I want anything to do with her? The room was silent for a moment after his pronouncement. But then Adrian and Cassius stared, shared one of their looks, and then they were both laughing loudly at him. Marcus, I have never been more certain in my life that you like Hermione Granger. Adrian said with a grin. I'd bet my, bet my firstborn's life on it. Not to mention the five-minute-long oratory you gave us on her lower lip. Cassius added. Marcus felt his blush deepen. He certainly did not remember that part of the stag weekend, but he could see it happening if he got enough beer in him. Her damn lips and all the things he wanted to do with him had been keeping him up at night. That doesn't mean I like her, Marcus lied. Oh, he did like Hermione. He liked her too much. "'Ask the witch to the party,' the old tailor said between the pins and his teeth. "'We can all see that you like her.' (laughs) "'Well, now that's decided,' Adrian said with a grin, crossing his arms over his chest. "'Do it when you get back from lunch, and I'll buy your dress robes.' "'I charge a very high rate, Mr. Flint,' the tailor quipped again. "'Slytherins! A lot of you,' Marcus said with a scowl, but he knew that he would pretty much have to do it now that they had twisted his arm. He was pretty sure that they would never let him down if he didn't. When he left the tailor, he stopped to grab a sandwich at the Leaky Cauldron, if only because he hoped that Hermione might be out when he returned. After dragging his feet long enough, though, he'd flew back to the shed.' Hermione was sitting in a beam of sunlight, looking angelic when he arrived, and he felt his heart stutter when her face was transformed by a smile when she saw that it was him. "'So, how was shopping?' Hermione asked, setting her quill down and giving her her undivided attention. "'What color robes did you get?' "'Ended up with gray ones,' Marcus said. "'He deferred to Adrian's expertise in that matter. He would have just picked black.' but Hermione seemed quite pleased to hear it. "'I can't wait to see them,' she said brightly. "'I'm sure they'll look great, especially with your eyes.' "'My eyes?' he asked, thinking they weren't anything too special. Hermione's eyes dropped to the table in front of her and, unable to keep eye contact with them. "'Well, yeah,' she said, tucking some hair behind her ear. "'You've got really nice eyes, Marcus.' That was probably the best omen that he was going to get to push him into asking her. He wasn't sure if she was trying to flirt with him or not, but maybe Cassius and Adrian had been on to something. Grabbing a chair, he set it down in front of Hermione's desk so that he could face her. So I was thinking, he started hoping he didn't sound as nervous as he felt. What are your thoughts on bringing dates to the fundraiser? Should we go together? Her head snapped up at that, and she looked surprised, but not offended. "'You want to bring me as a date to the fundraiser?' she asked. "'Yeah, I figured that it would make kind of more sense for us to go together,' he said. "'You didn't want to be dealing with some wizard when you were trying to get donations.' "'Oh,' she said her eyebrows furrowed together. "'So... like... so like colleagues, then?' I mean, we could go as colleagues if you wanted, he said, hoping that she might understand he wanted to go for real. He just wanted to have an an out so he didn't look like some dumb idiot if she wasn't actually interested. He really liked having her around, and he hoped he might even be able to make enough money to actually offer her a salary. If only it meant that she would stick around. Now, he knew it was a long shot anyway. She had a record number of nudes after all, but it was worth the shot all the same. For some reason she looked a little disappointed, but then her smile brightened. I think that's an excellent idea, Marcus. I'd love to go with you as colleagues or otherwise. He wasn't entirely sure what that meant, but he wasn't about to ask her. If it was a real date or not, instead he'd just have to believe that it was. All he could focus on was that she'd actually agreed to it and that she'd love to go with him. He was actually going to be taking Hermione Granger as his date somewhere, even if it was to his own fundraiser. What color are your robes, he asked, even though he might not have been able to choose dress robes of his own. He knew at least to ask her so he might dress to match. Hermione gave him a pleased smile. Blue, light blue, sort of. "'A periwinkle,' she described. Marcus wasn't sure what periwinkle was, but he nodded like he did. At the very least, Adrian would know, and he was sure that his friend could be goaded into paying for some sort of periwinkle tie, or maybe a small corsage could be worn in his lapel. Did people still do that type of thing after Hogwarts?' Salazar, he couldn't wait to tell Cass and AIDS about what had happened. He'd they didn't think he'd had the guts to actually do it, and now they'd be stuck paying for his exorbitant tailoring bill. Needing to put some space between himself and Hermione before he did something stupid like kiss her, Marcus mumbled something about preparing the pitch for his next lesson. There was no denying that he left the office with an extra spring in his step. All right, my good friends, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, and let's dive into chapter nine. It looks like we're finally at the fundraiser. The day of the fundraiser dinner finally arrived and Hermione knew that she should be nervously checking and double checking and triple checking all of the arrangements to make sure that everything would be absolutely perfect. She should be nervously hovering over everyone setting things up so that it could go off without a hitch, and allow the children's Quidditch League to remain open. But Hermione wasn't nervous that things were going to go well. She was far more nervous about her date, possibly real date, with Marcus Flint, who had proven to be so much more than a gruff meanie she'd expected. For once in her life, she allowed herself to believe that she had adequately prepared everything for the fundraiser, and instead focused on getting herself ready. Hermione wasn't stupid. She knew that she was a pretty witch, and with a little effort, she could be considered even beautiful. Taking the time, she made sure that her hair was done up impeccably and slipped into her periwinkle dress. The color had reminded her of her Yule ball dress all those years ago, but the cut was much more daring. With a completely exposed back and thin straps holding the silky fabric up, she hoped Marcus would like it. Once she checked, then checked again that she looked her best, Hermione slipped into her heels and flew over to the office, where she and Marcus had agreed to meet. He was looking out the window at the tent that had been set up when she'd arrived. "'Is everything looking okay, no issues?' she asked, worried that perhaps something had gone horribly wrong while she'd been too busy worrying about her hair. Turning to face her, his expression changed when his eyes landed on her. "'Wow,' he said somewhat stunned. "'You look gorgeous.' Hermione blushed a lot, always happy to be appreciated, though. She looked him up and down and noticed that his gray dress robes fit him perfectly, showing off his well-maintained physique. Um, you look great yourself, she answered the compliment. Smiling, she noticed that he wore a periwinkle blue flower on his lapel to match her dress. To answer your earlier question, no, everything is looking great, he complimented, stepping aside so that she could look out the window, too. Honestly, can't believe that's my Quidditch pitch. She had decided to plan the party out on the pitch, if only to save money and to remind the donors what they would actually be funding. She'd set up a tent and filled it with fairy lights and warming charms, so they would be sure to have a comfortable environment for the guests. Even into the wee hours of the night, it's so pretty, Hermione said with a sigh, it turned out even better than I imagined." "'Well, we should go enjoy your hard work,' Marcus said, before offering her his arm. "'Shall we?' "'Taking his arm, they made the short walk to the graffas to the tent and joined the other party-goers. Immediately they were cornered by Velma Morgan, who was Marcus's, told her, was a member of the Holyhead Harpies, and promised a donation that would cover the expense of the party itself.' Hermione was impressed by such a generous gift and thanked the witch profusely, knowing that at the very least she hadn't pissed away Marcus's remaining funds. They mingled through the cocktail hour, catching up with some familiar faces from Hogwarts. Draco Malfoy was actually rather decent that evening, and told Marcus that he'd like his Scorpius to join the league during the next season. Then they chatted with Cho Chang, who'd shown up with none other than Harry. At dinner, Hermione was seated seated next to Ludo Bagman, who pledged such an exorbitant donation that it would run the league for an entire year. Hermione wasn't sure that she wanted to accept Ludo's ill-gotten funds, but at the same time she knew it was for a good cause and couldn't turn it down. As the alcohol flowed and more donations were made, it was clear that the evening was going to be a smashing success, and Hermione finally allowed herself to relax. She enjoyed listening to Marcus chat with some of his old teammates from Falmouth, although it was clear that he wasn't entirely comfortable being the center of attention. Many of his friends had commented that they hadn't even known he was running the Children's League at all pulling Marcus by the hand to the dance floor she couldn't stop from teasing him a bit you asked me to be your date to this thing she goaded the least you could do is dance with me a little he only seemed too happy to oblige and he took her into his arms easily one hand settling on the curve of her waist while the other took her hand Hermione tried not to shiver at the feeling of his calloused hand at her bare back. Marcus easily moved them around the dance floor, never stepping on her toes once, surprisingly graceful for a wizard so large. Thank you for all of this, Marcus said, looking around the room at so many people happily enjoying themselves. It's only with your help that I'll be able to keep the league going. I'm not exaggerating when I say I couldn't have done it without you. Hermione blushed under the compliment, happy to be thanked. "'Well, I wouldn't have worked so hard if you didn't so obviously believe in your work,' she said. "'I love Quidditch,' he said with a shrug of his broad shoulders. "'It's the only thing I've ever been good at.' She rolled her eyes. "'As much as I doubt that, you're good at teaching, too. "'So add another skill to your list,' she told him. "'Well, James will be happy,' Marcus said, "'now that he could finally recognize that he wasn't going to have to shut down.' Yes, he will be, Hermione agreed. I only partly did it for him, though. Once I saw how much you loved your job, I knew I couldn't let your dreams fill, either. Honestly, could you imagine me doing anything else? Can you imagine you doing anything else? (laughs) About that, Marcus said tentatively, his fingers tightening at her waist. "'But before he could talk more, one of the staff came up to them "'to alert Hermione of a minor problem that she would have to handle. "'I have to take care of this,' she said, feeling disappointed. "'Meet me in the office in fifteen minutes,' she asked, "'not entirely done with her plans for the evening.' "'Marcus agreed, and Hermione went off to put one of the minor fires "'that had cropped up that night out, "'a rather drunk Roger Davies who was trying to take home "'all of the leftovers from dinner.' It was annoying, but she handled him quickly enough by letting him take one potion. The rest would be divided between the staff. Hermione felt giddy when she was walking back to the office, unable to wipe the smile from her face. She knew it was a bit bold asking Marcus to meet her there, especially when she didn't really know how he felt about her. But everything had been going so well that that night that she just knew she had to at least try the lights were off in the shed but she could easily make Marcus's hulking form out of the darkness what did you want to meet he started to talk but Hermione couldn't stop to talk now or else she'd lose her nerve Surging forward standing on the very tips of her toes she wrapped her arms around his neck and pulled him down for a kiss sighing when their bodies pressed together tightly. Marcus seemed a bit confused at first, but he quickly got his act together. He brought his big arms around her body, holding her to him more tightly, and deepened the kiss. It was a bit awkward at first unpracticed, but once he seemed to stop thinking, he moved much more naturally. Hermione moaned against his lips, loving the way that they moved together, not battling for dominance, but rather coaxing one another to something more pleasurable. Just when she was thinking she would have to break the kiss to relieve her aching toes, Marcus was stumbling back until he met the edge of the desk. Sitting back against it, their heights grew more level, and Hermione was able to lean into him. She used her fingers to run through his hair toying at the ends. Marcus was not an idle participant either. His hands ran up and down the bare skin of her back, leaving her covered in goose flesh. Tentatively, he let one hand trill lower so that he could give her ass a squeeze. He paused as though he was worried her mind might object, but she could do nothing but press him against press against him harder. She could feel his body reacting, and while she wanted nothing more than to take him right, then and there, she knew that wouldn't be wise for one thing, there might be moving a little too fast, especially when she didn't know what his feelings were for her but for two, they still had guests from the fundraiser out on the Quidditch pitch, and she didn't fancy any of them wandering in on them. Hermione pulled away, biting her lower lip to stop grinning at hearing Marcus's groan of disappointment. He pulled her back in for one last lingering kiss, sucking her lower lip between his, soothing the hurt from her teeth with his tongue as much as I would love to continue with this, Hermione said, shivering from the feel of his lips on the skin of her neck. I've got to get back out there to supervise. The night has gone perfectly so far, but I can't get too distracted now. Marcus let his forehead rest against her shoulder. You are a tease of the worst kind, Hermione Granger, he told her, and though she could practically hear the smile on his face. "'I'm sorry,' she said, "'but, as I said, I did want the night to go perfectly, "'and I wouldn't. "'It wouldn't have been perfect "'if I didn't get a kiss from my date.' "'She stepped out of the space between his long legs "'and waved her wand to write her dress and hair. "'She was sure that her lips would look swollen and well-kissed, "'but nothing else would be out of place. "'Go ahead, and I'll meet you out there in a few minutes,' "'Marcus instructed her. "'You'll save another dance for me?' Of course, Hermione agreed, before leaving the little shed behind. She wondered if anyone would realize what she'd been up to with Marcus, but surprised herself when she realized how little she cared if they did. She was intercepted by one by Harry once she was out on the dance floor, who pulled her into a quick turn around the floor. <laughs> so you and Marcus, hum? he asked with a smirk. And here I thought you were just doing this for James. Hermione laughed at her best friend's teasing. I was originally just doing it for James, she agreed, but I quickly learned that the job had other perks. Aren't you worried about him being a Slytherin, Harry pressed? She shook her head. No, you were right. I was being silly. "'And I've learned that some slithering traits aren't all bad,' she explained. "'Seeing how much Marcus is willing to sacrifice for his job, his ambitions, "'even to create something like this for the children, well, it's pretty sexy.' "'Please don't pull me into the torrid details of your relationship,' Harry scolded, "'making a fake, disgusted face. "'Oh, Harry, don't be like that,' she said with a laugh, "'enjoying making her friend a bit uncomfortable for once.' "'Well, James will be pretty excited to learn "'his Aunt Hermione is dating Coach Flint,' "'Harry said with a shrug of his shoulders. "'So you've got the potter seal of approval.' "'Hermione could relax then, "'knowing that Harry didn't mind her, "'well, whatever it was with Marcus, "'and the evening couldn't have gone any better. "'All right. "'Chapter 10, "'and it looks like we are visiting... Marcus. The night before, Marcus had practically floated all the way to his bed. Not only had the fundraiser been a smashing success, Hermione had told him earlier in the night that Malfoy's donation alone would keep them going for another season, but he'd been kissed by the witch of his dreams, too. No amount of convincing on Cassius's and Adrian's part had been able to change Marcus's mind that they were going just as colleagues. But Hermione had certainly cleared the air with her bold little witch when the bold little witch had pressed herself against him, rather acting like she'd wanted to climb in like a tree. He'd been shocked at first, but then he'd gotten the snug of his life. He could still remember the cashmere soft feel the skin of her back under his fingertips, and now that it was morning, Marcus almost couldn't believe that it wasn't all a dream. But it wasn't a dream at all. It was real, and it seemed for once that he was the wizard with all the luck. Getting up for the day, he gave Bludger a scratch behind the ears on the way to the kitchen to make some breakfast before he strolled into work. Surely he would be allowed to go into work a little bit late just this once, especially seeing as he wasn't going to be teaching any lessons that day. Maybe he should stop in on the way and get Hermione some flowers. Salazar, he really didn't know what he was doing. Perhaps a fire call to AIDS or Cass would be appropriate. His eggs were cooking on the hob. by the time he went to grab the paper out of the open window, curious to see if his little fundraiser might have made mention in the society pages. He unfurled it and nearly spat out his tea when he saw the front page. Greedy Granger plays two wizards, read the headline. There was a picture of Hermione kissing him, throwing herself against him, really. "'Then the next it was next to a picture of her and Potter dancing with one another, her nuzzling her face against his chest. "'Does the muggle-born upstart have no shame? Getting intimate with two different men, less than fifteen minutes apart, she'll do anything to stay on top,' says a source close to Granger. Marcus felt his good mood drop from underneath him, hating the way that his worst fears had been proven right. Had she only been using him to make Potter jealous? Embarrassment twisted in his stomach, feeling that he'd only been taken advantage of. But then his hurt feeling spoiled over, and he was only left with a growing anger that Hermione would treat him like that. He couldn't, no, he wouldn't let her get away with it. Grabbing the daily profit in a fist, he marched over to his flue before he could even bother to get dressed for the day. When he walked into the office, Hermione was already there waiting for him, hands pressed to her hips. Oh, good of you to show up, Flint, she said, her bitterness clear in her tone. It made Marcus pause for a moment, wondering just what he'd done to piss her off. But then he remembered the real reason he was there and threw the newspaper down on the desk. Listen, I don't be appreciate being used, Granger. He snarled at her, well, yeah, well, neither do I. Hermione answered, taking a step closer to him and not giving any hint of backing down. You have a lot of nerve, Marcus Flint, playing on my emotions like that. I played with your emotions, he asked a mean with a mean little laugh. You were the one who were just- you were just using me to make Potter jealous. He was so hurt he didn't notice the confused look on Hermione's face. Harry, she asked, sounding confused. You could have just told me you only wanted to go to the gala as colleagues, Marcus insisted, stepping closer to her until she had to strain her neck to keep eye contact with him. You didn't have to pretend to be into me and get me to go with you, and you certainly didn't. need to lead me on by kissing me. Hermione blinked owlishly at him. "'What are you talking about?' Hermione asked, more confused than ever. "'I don't want to make Harry jealous. He's like a brother to me.' "'Don't lie,' Marcus continued, her words still not registering for him. "'It's right there on the front page of the prophet,' he insisted, picking up the paper and pointing at the moving picture. "'She grabbed the paper from him.' Removed it to show a story that was below the fold. "'You are one to talk,' she said. "'How could you not tell me that you were accepting a job with the Falcons? "'Did the Quidditch League even mean anything to you?' Marcus blushed a bit. He had meant to tell her that, he'd assisted, that he had accepted an assistant coaching position with the Falmouth Falcons after they'd offered him one, but he'd gotten too distracted by her lips.' I was going to tell you, he said, hoping he sounded suitably regretful. Oh? Really? When? she demanded, even more upset. After I'd done all this hard work saving your league only to have you, I don't know what, sell it for a profit? I thought this was about what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. I'm not going to sell, Marcus insisted, knowing it would be the last thing he could do. Now, though, he could afford to hire some more coaches, make things a bit more legitimate, and he'd be making significant money coaching a professional team. It's what I want to do. Then why did you take a job with the Falcons? she questioned, pressing her finger into his bare chest. I only only worked so hard here for... because of you. Actually, don't tell me the answer. You've used me to get what you wanted, and I'm just... I'm just disappointed in you, really." Well, then, or even, I suppose, Marcus said, since you used me to get what you want from Potter. Well, I hope you'll be very happy together. He added sarcastically. He couldn't bear the thought of Hermione with Potter. One happy family. Oh, you dolt, Hermione said with half a scream. I've already told you that I'm not interested in Harry. The idea is frankly repulsive. I like you, she nearly shouted at him. Marcus blinked at her for a moment, letting her words really sink in. You like me? Like romantically? he asked, almost unable to believe that she was confirming what he could only dream about. Yes, although I'm rethinking it now, Hermione continued. I've been in here for weeks watching you teach and daydreaming about what our children might look like. That truly stunned him. At the same time, Marcus didn't think that he could find the witch more attractive had she tried. Scratch that. Maybe if she were wearing nothing but his old uniform and some knickers, then, then maybe she would be. Unfortunately, it seemed as if Hermione's mind was finally catching up with her mouth. "'Marlin!' she shouted before pressing her hands to cover her reddening face. "'Did I say that out loud?' she squeaked. "'Yes,' Marcus said, a huge grin forming on the face. "'Oh, Merlin! Oh, Godric!' she continued. "'I have to go,' and she tried to make her way towards the little flue so that she could escape. Only Marcus wasn't about to let her go that easy, unless they were both going to her flat. "'You can't take it back now,' he said, reaching out to grab her by the arm, turning her back to face him again. "'Not when it sounds so nice.' Hermione stilled, picking, peeking up at him through her eyelashes, looking nervous that she would find him laughing at her. Nice, she questioned, looking a bit dumbfounded. Yes, nice, because, you see, I really like you too, he explained, still smiling broadly. Romantically, he clarified. You do? Hermione asked now, unable to believe that her feelings might be returned. Yes. Marcus confirmed, surprised by how good it felt to get it all out in the open, and how much nicer it was to know that Hermione felt the same way about him as he did about her. Apparently I've even told Adrian and Cassius how much I fantasized about your lips when I was drunk in Copenhagen, he said, running his thumb over her plump lower lip. Hermione looked up at him with wide eyes before her face was transformed by something naughty. She opened her lips and caught his thumb, giving it a tiny, playful bite before flicking her tongue against the digit. Marcus groaned, feeling all of his red blood rush south, seeing her that way. Was it possible that this was all just a dream? No. He knew that even dreams didn't feel this good. He couldn't wait a moment longer. He had to kiss her. He pulled her towards him until they were pressed tightly, not at all embarrassed if she could feel how hard he was for her. Dipping his head, he caught her lips in a searing kiss. She deepened the kiss immediately, not shy about taking what she wanted. He gave her lower lip a quick nip, loving, the, loving to hear the way she moaned, and pressed her and her pressing herself up against him. Stumbling back, Marcus led them towards the desk chair before collapsing into it, pulling her down to sit on his lap. Salazar, how many of his dreams had included this exact scenario? Hermione seemed well up for it, though, because she was quickly straddling him, her lips having never left his. Marcus pressed his hands against her hips, encouraging Hermione to rock against him. It felt too good to stop, but at the same time, he worried that the friction alone might be enough to send him over the edge. It just wouldn't do to embarrass himself in front of her for the very first time they were together. She had her hands in his hair, and the dull scratch of her nails sending shivers up his spine while she held him in place against her. She wasn't afraid to direct him where to go, and was soon encouraging him to kiss down the side of her neck. Marcus was driven by some primitive possessiveness, was wild at the thought of making her... of marking her neck with a love bite, showing off to the world that Hermione Granger was his witch. Unbelievable. When his lips got to the edge of her blouse, though, Marcus knew that he wanted to see all of her. But his tiny shed was not exactly the ideal location for it, especially if this was about to be their first time. Hermione deserved more than that, a soft bed under her back and not some rack of a child-sized brooms to look at. Pulling her away was one of the hardest things he had to do, but he knew he would be rewarded. Um, do you want to take this back to my place? he asked, biting back a groan as he watched her breasts rise and fall from exertion. She was beautifully pink and he couldn't wait to peel back her layers of clothing to finally see how far her blush went. Hermione hopped off him and on to wobbly legs, giving him a little smirk. I thought that you'd never ask, she teased. Hermione couldn't believe her luck, <laughs> Marcus couldn't believe his either. He'd gone in thinking that he'd have his heart broken, but now his wildest dreams were actually coming true. While he knew there would be still a lot of discussions in their future, were they, were, were they actually dating now, for one? Because Salazar, he hoped so. Right now, Marcus just intended on fully enjoying his Sunday with Hermione. He practically ran back to the fireplace, eager to get her home. All right. Final chapter, chapter 11, and I don't know if we're going to have lemons or not. I think that was as close as we got, but we'll see. Back to Hermione. Hermione looked in the mirror while she put in her pearl earrings, putting the finishing touches on her evening look. They had been a gift from Marcus for her birthday, but they were really far too elegant to wear for anything other than formal events. They did pair perfectly with her slinky silver dress, and she hoped to wow her boyfriend of just nearly one year when she finally emerged from the bathroom they now shared. Part of her envied how little time it took him to get ready, even for something as fancy as the second annual Children's Quidditch Fundraiser Gala. It had been such a smashing success the year before that they had decided to hold it again and received almost double the number of RSVPs as the prior year. Hermione was proud to be part of the small contribution to something as wonderful as the Children's Quidditch League. She had worried that it would flounder without Marcus' constant presence, but she was pleasantly surprised at how it had done once he'd taken on a role as assistant coach with the Falmouth Falcons. She couldn't understand why he would want to leave, but he had assured her that he would never actually leave his baby as he called it behind. Adrian had helped him during the contract negotiations that he could continue to coach one team at all times. That's not to say that he could do both. His new job did necessitate Marcus taking a step back from the Children's Quidditch League, but with their substantial increase in funding, they were able to hire people to run it better and get some new talent. Graham Montague and Terence Higgs were hired on as coaches, and Millicent Bulstrode, who turned out to be Marcus's cousin, was hired on to lead the business side of things. Hermione was a little skeptical at the time that it was more than a more than a little nepotism at first, but Melissa proved to be an excellent businesswoman. She was so friendly and welcoming with her families with the families, but absolutely ruthless when she needed to be. Hermione was impressed to say the least, and felt like the business was being left in good hands. Marcus had tried to persuade her to stay on and help run the financials, but Hermione knew that it wasn't quite what she wanted to do. She wasn't ready to say goodbye to it completely, having grown fairly attached to the Marcus project. She had agreed to head the committee that would plan the annual fundraising gala, though, and although, to be honest, it wasn't too much of a committee so far. No, Hermione knew that her calling really was at the Ministry, and she eventually took a job in the Department of International Magic Cooperation. She was heading up a little fledgling division now, but it was meant to help Muggleborns bridge the gap between the magical world and the muggle. After catching enough people's ears about how unsettling it was not to know anything of the magical world, or even that she was a witch, until she had turned eleven, she was able to convince people of the need to begin introductions sooner. And while she had had a very compassionate Minerva McGonagall to explain to her parents about Hogwarts, she did not think that that duty should be left to untrained Hogwarts professors. She was lucky that the minister and the Wizengamot had agreed, and decided to make changes to the way the wizarding world would welcome Muggle Currently, they could expect a visit by the time the children were due to start primary school. Hermione was hopeful that younger muggle-borns might soon be able to participate in things like the Children's Quidditch League to better integrate them into magical society. But she was taking baby steps. Now that she was working at the ministry, Hermione had the dubious pleasure of being cornered fairly frequently by Cassius Warrington, who was always keen to tell her the latest gossip. Hermione was just was just glad that Marcus's friends seemed to like her well enough. She was also able to have lunch with some regularity with Harry, which was nice. She would never grow out of spending time with her good friend. Hermione and Marcus would join him and his sons for dinner just about every other week as well. James was over the moon that they were dating and was constantly pestering Hermione about when he could start calling him Uncle Marcus. The thought always gave her a little thrill. If she was honest, Hermione hoped it happened soon. They had moved into Marcus's flat together only after dating for three months, and she'd never felt as content in a relationship as she did with him. There was something about her big, burly Marcus that made her heart race, and there was something in his secret soft side that made her feel secure. She was desperately in love with him. Once she was confident that she looked perfect for the night's events, Hermione stepped out of the bedroom to present herself to Marcus. "'She found him waiting in his new dress robes, drinking a fire whiskey. "'He stood up, and when he saw her, his gray-blue eyes opening comically wide. "'Wow! You look... Do we have to go to the fundraiser?' he asked. "'Not hiding the hungry way, he looked her up and down, "'definitely appreciating the dramatic slit of one leg. "'He ran his fingers through his hair. (laughs) "'Oh, Marcus,' she said, pulling her wand out. "'You've messed up your hair,' she groaned, "'knowing that it was just about the only thing he'd spent any time on that evening. "'Honestly, I'm finding it a little hard to care about anything other than getting you back in that bedroom right now,' he said with a chuckle. "'He made short work of the distance between them and pulled her into his arms. "'She pulled back so that she could see his face.' You know that we both had to go to the fundraiser, Hermione said with a wry grin. Even if you don't believe me, you are part of the draw, I promise. Now that he was a very and a very promising coach in the professional Quidditch League, Marcus was having to contend with the newfound popularity. People wanted a chance to talk to him, as it was no secret that Falmouth went from a lower to a mid table team to finishing in the top four once he joined and brought loads of young new talent with him. Marcus let go of her and offered her his arm. You're right, he agreed. Without much of a fuss, we should go. Am I? she asked, feeling a little perplexed that he'd given up on seducing her so quickly. Maybe her dress wasn't spectacular, she thought. "'Yeah,' he said, waving off her concern, "'the sooner we go, the sooner we leave, "'the sooner I can get you back in my bed.' "'Our bed,' she corrected, "'before letting him lead her into the fireplace. "'The party was full swing by the time they'd arrived. "'They were quickly intercepted by Oliver Wood, "'who wanted to donate some of his time "'and teach one season with the wee ones as he said it. "'Hermione thought it was a wonderful idea "'and pointed him in Millie's direction.' Next, they were waylaid by Harry Potter, who brought a very pretty-looking Daphne Greengrass as his date this year, a match Hermione truly did not see coming. He practically begged Marcus to give him a dance with her, so Hermione found herself being passed off like some kind of farm animal. She wouldn't have minded it more if she didn't like Harry so much." He kept her for two dances, but then she begged off, knowing that she really couldn't leave Marcus alone with these vultures for too long. They were probably boring him to tears. She went to look for him, but as she was walking off the dance floor, she found herself waltzing right into Adrian Pusey's arms. You are looking exceptional tonight, Granger, he quipped. I'm surprised Marcus even let you out of the flat tonight. Ha! Very funny, Pusey, she answered, but was happy to dance with him. Of Marcus's friends, Adrian was the smartest, but he was also the sneakiest and most ambitious, too. You could never let your guard down too much with him. They settled into a discussion of one of the ministry's latest proposed laws all the same. Adrian took her around the room, and before she knew it, Hermione had danced three songs with him. I really should find Marcus. Don't want him to be jealous, she told him. Oh, just one more song, Adrian asked, spinning her again so that he could look back over his shoulder. Hermione's eyes narrowed at the former Slytherin. You see, why do I feel like you are trying to keep me away from Marcus? She questioned, suddenly feeling very suspicious. I am not keeping you away from him, he answered, trying to seem offended, only I... I just remembered he asked me to have you meet him in the old office. Annoyed that he had forgotten to give her the message, Hermione left Adrian on the dance floor and headed off in the direction of the old shed. A new office had been built to accommodate the growing staff, but Marcus still kept his old office for when he was working. She wondered why everyone was acting so odd, and she could only hope that Marcus didn't think that she'd stood him up. The shed was completely dark when she entered. "'Marcus?' she called out. Getting no reply, Hermione figured that her boyfriend had probably returned to the party. Cursing Adrian, she turned to leave. By then, dozens of tiny fairy lights lit up the little shed, revealing Marcus's hulking form down on one knee in the middle of the room. It was oddly reminiscent of the time he'd come into her flat and begged her to help him save his Quidditch League. Hermione gasped excitement filling her veins and anticipation making her heart pound. what was was this it? Marcus struggled with the pocket of his dress robes before he liberated a tiny velvet box. Hermione Granger, you gave me my dreams back and now. I find myself wanting to fulfill a daydream of yours, he said before opening a box to show off a glittering engagement ring. Will you marry me and find out what our children look like? Hermione choked on the laughed tears in her eyes. It was just perfect. Yes, 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 of course I will, she agreed enthusiastically. I'll marry you, Marcus Flint. "'She crossed the room, wrapping her arms around him "'and pulling him in for a lingering kiss. "'Then she pulled back, eager to get the ring on her finger. "'It's gorgeous,' she whispered before kissing him again. "'Screw heading back to our own bed. "'Want to do it here? "'We've never actually christened your office,' she enticed him, "'knowing how much she wanted him. "'He looked at her with fire in his eyes "'before he groaned, standing up.' "'as much as I'd love to finally take you on my desk. "'We do have dozens of people out there "'who want to congratulate us,' he answered. "'Standing on the floor, standing from the floor, "'he shook his head. "'Salazar, I wish I would have thought that through better.' "'So they all knew?' she asked. "'Merlin, I knew Adrian was up to something, that little snake. "'He gave her one last kiss. "'Later, I promise,' he said before he led her "'out of the shed holding hands.' A crowd of smiling faces and shouts of congratulations met them. Hermione wasn't able to keep herself from smiling. Champagne was passed around, and the newly engaged couple were happy to spend the evening celebrating the next chapter of their lives together. I can't believe you did all this, Hermione whispered to him as they snuck away, eager to do some celebrating of their own. I had some help, Marcus revealed. But I wanted to make sure you knew how much you mean to me and how much I love you. More than Quidditch, Hermione teased. Much more than Quidditch, Marcus agreed, leading her through the fireplace and back to their flat. Good, Hermione answered, although he, he didn't although she didn't doubt him. Because I love you too, and I can't wait to be with you for the rest of my life. She was so lucky that she'd found Marcus and who would have thought that something so good could have actually come out of Quidditch certainly not her But she was glad she'd made that insane promise to James because it had given her the love of her life All right, my friends, so That was the conclusion of Middle of Adventure. We're going to have a quick break and then we'll join you back. Hi, and welcome back to Set the Stories. Okay, so this is the part of the episode that if you would like to skip the commentary and go on to our next recorded story, you are invited to do that now. If you'd like to hang around for the commentary, please stay with us, and we're going to talk about Middle of Adventure by Nautical Paramore right now. Okay, so this was a much longer read than what we had previously um, listened to and enjoyed on supper Stories, and I loved every chapter. Um, any stumbling over uh, words or any breaks in reading was entirely my my fault, not the writer's. Um, like I said, this was the first time I read something quite this large, doing fan fiction, so. It was a little bit different um, for me to read, to perform it, but I loved reading this story. Okay, so first of all, oh my goodness, I would have never thought that Marcus Flint and Hermione Granger could have gone together quite as well as they did in this story. And I kind of like that Marcus is big and burly, and you know, just kind of delicious, right? So he's a big guy. and. Um, I remember in the films you see him he's kind of slender on the brooms and kind of tall and he's got you know the crazy teeth so I thought it was a nice a nice detail that the writer talked about that he got hit in the mouth with a bludger in Italy and he got all new teeth so he's got you know a perfect smile and and Hermione could relate that you know he was um, still hiding his smile because she had gone through that too with with her overly large front teeth so I thought that was kind of a nice detail that recalls back to canon story and and kind of bridges canon and this piece of fan fiction with those wonderful details. I also like that she's a workaholic. (laughs) And some of what, you know, she was like, oh, everyone's dumping their work on her because they all know that she'll get it done. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And in a crazy way, I think all of us have experienced that in our jobs in one way or another, you know, like you feel like you're the one that has to pick up everything for everyone. And you think, oh my gosh, you know, what would happen if, if I weren't here, you know, kind of thing. Um, That's a little bit of ego there, I think. But, but, you know, it's like when um, I've seen that happen too, you know, I've I've been in other jobs where I've seen everything just kind of, end up on on somebody's desk, you know, and that poor person just looks parried and everyone else, you know, is they're going to breaks and having a great time. So I, I thought that that was believable and relatable in this piece of fan fiction and her finally just losing it when her boss takes all the credit for all of her work, especially on the werewolf reform and that would have meant a lot to Hermione because of Remus Lupin that you know I think that's what in the story that's what breaks you know the hair that breaks the camel's back is her boss taking the credit for the werewolf reform that she had worked so hard on in memory of her friend so I kind of liked that Hermione in this fan fiction is sassy and bold and impulsive and angry you know she's that crackling witch that we know that she, you know, she, she punches Draco Malfoy, and in this instance, you know, she, or slaps Draco Malfoy, and in this instance, she's like, I've had enough, I'm done, and she walks out, you know, she quits, and, um, she didn't really think it through, but she quit, you know, and just went on. I thought that it was an interesting development in the story to have Harry and Jenny not work out, um, Now I like Carrie and Jenny, in the books. I think the Jenny character, you know, she's vivacious and, you know, as red in personality as her hair is. You know, really energetic and exuberant and sassy, and, you know, just really quite wonderful. And while I like the Jenny in the films, I um, I prefer the more robust Jenny that we have in the books. And so the Jenny from this story who was divorcing Harry, the version I saw was the Jenny from the films. Like they just didn't connect. So I could see that's that's kind of, you know, what Bronnie Wright, I believe, is her is her name. I could see that, um that actress in this role, you know, not, not working out with Harry. And Harry, you know, is now a single dad and he's an or and, you know, trying to, he works for the department, you know, of, um, oh my goodness, the DMLE, um, <laughs> the Magical Law Enforcement Department, you know, so yeah, Magical Law Enforcement, I'm so sorry, Department of Magical Law Enforcement. So um, I had to stop and think about that for a moment. So, you know, Harry's working and he's a single dad and her you know, of course, Jenny's just really in this story, twisting the thumb screws and divorcing him and making it nasty and difficult and, you know, really just being kind of cruel. And Harry's just, you know, trying to keep his kids sheltered from that as best he can, which is how he ends up um enrolling James into Marcus's you Know children's Quidditch League, so I thought this was fun. That Marcus, um, Marcus Flint, not the, you know, of course, junior, not not senior, we know his father was a the deer theater, had decided that he didn't want any part of Voldemort, you know, or any of the war, and so he goes to Italy. So he's already out of Hogwarts when, when all this is going on, and so he goes on and he leaves everything kind of behind and he does his career and he loves Italy right but then he comes back and you know he he's been injured playing sports and it made me think of those stories you know of of boxers or even wrestlers you know or or any athlete really you know they they perform or they they participate or they they have careers started in anything can happen and their careers are over and so i thought this was kind of an interesting take you know on on something like that an injury for a professional athlete can be devastating and absolutely end a career and in this case it ended marcus's career as a professional quidditch player so he ends up um kind of doing he still loves quidditch so much but he thinks outside the box and he creates this thing and he loves what he's doing though he doesn't really know how to monetize it or how to manage the business aspects and so I kind of liked that all of these elements roll together to bring the Hermione character in this story and the Marcus Flint character you know, that it kind of crosses their paths and through work and association which of course you know they were they kept crossing wires and kind of crossing each other getting angry at each other and misunderstanding each other and even trying to get started and I take that more as a Gryffindor to Slytherin mismatch you know Slytherins are <laughs> I think it, by nature you know ambitious charismatic um you know uh cunning you know, but but very much their own thing and, and Gryffindors are brash and you know, they just run in brave, they run into danger, you know, they're impulsive and so I kinda see Slytherins as being maybe a little more reserved and a little more thoughtful and a little more uh planning things, maybe um strategic. I mean maybe I'm using wrong adjectives here, but Where Gryffindors might be more brash and impulsive and by nature, right? Not overall because Ron was a great um, strategy, you know, person with with chess. And he could see war strategy. But, But in this instance, I'm just looking at the overall, what these houses are known for. And Marcus is very much Slytherin. And all of his friends are too. Um... And then you've got Hermione and of course Ron. So I think their kind of coming together was also learning how to be around each other. They're very distinct differences in personality. So um she's not afraid to talk him down either. <laughs> she's she just flews right into his office, you know, and you know, she doesn't take no for an answer and then finally she gets mad at Flint and's like, Uh you couldn't pay me enough to help you kind of thing. So, you know, she's not afraid to be who she is and I think that's what I love about the Hermione Granger character is that she never backs down, you know, she she goes for what she thinks is right and she just kinda of runs with it and is purely Gryffindor in that sense. Um but you know I like gryffindor too. I can see her intellect being ravenclaw but I re- but she's not lofty and not you know she's very earthy and that's why I really like hermione you know she's practical down to earth you know kind of kind of loud kind of brassy but but smart and charismatic as well. So her and Marcus finally working together. Uh, when they're not as opposed to each other, I think make a great combination. And so the Marcus Flint-Hermione pairing is not a usual pairing, though it is somewhat popular. If you look on fan fiction sites and you look at pairings and or character um matchups. This is one that does pop up, but there's not a lot of stories out there. So I was really quite pleased to read this one where Marcus is a sympathetic character and he's likable and you kind of want to just bear hug him because he sounds like he's delicious fun, right? And Hermione um, likes what she sees. And I like that. I like that they had chemistry. I thought the story was written in a way that gave both of these characters a lot of chemistry with each other. I loved that you had Cassius and Adrian Pusey. I thought that they were wonderful and fun background characters, you know, and they give him, they gave Marcus, you know, pretty good advice in, and they're there for him, but they're Slytherin too. And, you know, they're supportive of him and they encourage him to um pursue a working relationship, and then later you know they encourage him to pursue Hermione or they support him in this, and they they're they're razzing him and you know you know joking and teasing with him, but they're not dissuading him from from getting to know her, so you can tell that after the wizarding war um pure blood mud blood relations, things are much more relaxed at this point in time for Hermione and Marcus Flint, that never comes up. So I I liked that this dealt more on their interaction as two people building something together, you know, and her helping him, as opposed to having problems with blood status. So I kind of liked that this really was, you know, a romance story, and that it had a sporty kind of feel to it, you know, like you could very easily substitute football, or, you know, some some other sport, as opposed to Quidditch, and this be a um, kind of standalone, non-Harry Potter type story, if you wanted to go that direction, and do something independent, not related to Harry Potter, this is a story that could transition very well that way, and be fun, and be of interest to people who like sporting or sports-based stories. So I thought this was kind of fun. I like that. I like that um, he really enjoyed Marcus uh, working with kids. So you got to see the softer side of the Slytherin. (laughs) Say that three times. And I liked that Hermione absolutely fell in love with that. So you know, she got to be a girly girl with him and I I thought that it just worked. I liked that she wore a periwinkle blue dress in this story and that he had a little um, side flower on his dress robes to match her dress. And that the dress was a lot more adult than what she had worn back at Hogwarts, but she purchased the dress with purpose and she really went out of her way to look beautiful for him. So, and it worked. I would have loved more lemons in this story, but it was just the right amount. Um, I don't mind reading more explicit work um, on supple stories. The only problem that I've received, something is a little more explicit than what we've currently shared before, is that I don't always know who's listening, or I don't know Who's listening on the other side? So, if I had a child or a minor, you know, I wouldn't want to be exposing um, a very young person to material that they shouldn't be hearing. But on the other hand, I do not ever want to censor any piece of writing. So, I will always try to give warnings before I read a story if I think there's going to be content. And when I read this, i thought there was um so many fan fiction pieces really go into explicit explicit detail of um act- activity in the bedroom or bedroom scenes and, and while it works for those stories um reading it reading it out loud can sometimes be a little uncomfortable um and also, too, I have to be sensitive of who might be listening on the other side of Sepa story. So um, from time to time, if, if I do come across a story that does contain adult themes um, where things are described and it's more explicit, I will definitely have a warning so that um, listeners can listen responsibly. Alright, so there there is that. I thought that There was just enough heat in the story to make it sexy without it being overblown. Like, I loved that, you know, she climbs in his lap and he's nuzzling her neck and they're having a really good time. Um, There's a mention of him pressing her, you know, against him and she could feel, you know, him. And I thought that was um, well written. Um, So it was it was really hot (laughs) you know it was was a sexy read without being over the top and it was just enough to like right you know kind of give you that Uh, this wasn't so much lemony as it was meringue goodness so it was it was fun it was wonderful i liked every bit of the story and it had a happy ending you know, um, she gets her wizard, and he proposes in the most romantic way, and they're back and forth. You know, he's, he's sensitive, and she sees that. So, I love this. This is a story that gave me warm fuzzies, and I totally have to give it, you know, an O for outstanding. <laughs> So, so I I loved it for an eleven chapter read. It was fun and it was nice and romantic and, um, I really enjoyed it and I can't wait to reach out to Nautical Paramour and see if I can read some other pieces this writer has put together. This writer uh, does write amazing stories and does have quite a collection out on fanfiction.net. So, And I believe I read that there's a Tumblr page too, so check this author out. If you like fanfiction and you like multi-chapter reads, this is a writer to follow. So check this person out. See what stories, and you can see that this is a writer who makes, um, utilizes unusual pairings, and and I like that too. So, you know, you're not just stuck with Hermione or Draco if you want something a little bit different. Uh, This writer is doing this, so check her stuff out, or his stuff, or check Nautical's writing out. (laughs) Put it that way. Um, And, Yeah. You know, let's keep our our writers writing. Give them a review. Um, You can get onto fanfiction.net. And if you really loved a story, follow these authors, you know, give them some encouragement. Um, Telling them what works for you as a reader helps to sharpen their skills and it just helps them to write better stories. So for me, I loved everything about the story. It was the right length. moved along with a lot with a good pace I liked the back and forth like one chapter was Marcus the other was Hermione sometimes it was them together I thought the movement of the story was well paced I might have liked a little more heat and um, maybe a little more intimacy but I was happy with what I had too so I finished this read and hopefully you finished the listen. Feeling really positive and feeling like, oh, this was this, you know, this was a great story, or oh, this was a sweet and romantic story. It left me feeling happy. So this one works. It worked for me. I already gave it an O, so yeah. Alright, wonderful listeners. I think I've talked your ears off. If you've liked Seppa stories, Give me a follow, give me a share, subscribe, tell your friends about us, and watch out for our upcoming YouTube channel. It is on the way. Um, and I'm super excited because we will have podcast, and then you'll be able to, if you like the option of listening to audio on YouTube, Um, you'll have this option in that format as well. I'm still trying to debate what to do if I'm going to shoot video footage or maybe have a screen with things happening. We'll figure it out, but it's still in development, but it is on the way. All right, with that, wonderful, beautiful people, I hope you have enjoyed Middle of Adventure by Nautical Paramore and we will see you next time on Sapa Stories. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.